Hey everyone, how's it going? Uh, just wanted to front load this episode with a big spoiler warning. Uh, that, that said, the first hour is kind of just a general chat about Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, so no spoilers in there, but uh, there is a very hefty spoiler section at the end of this, which uh, will be noted in the audio and is also in the show notes, so you can check down there uh, so you know what to avoid. Uh, we also took some listener questions, but anyway, in that spoiler section, we talk about literally everything that happens in the entire game, our theories about the ending, uh, Steven explains some stuff that happened in the original, uh, we talk pretty heavily about spoilers for the original game as well, and also, somehow, in the midst of all of that, there is one spoiler for Final Fantasy X that, uh, is snuck in. So, uh, just, I guess, be aware of all of that, um, before you go in. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna go now. Bye! Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, I was, I was, but now I'm, as you often say, just uh, pure light, I guess. <laughs> I turned into pure light, so mm-hmm. kind of like, I think it's in Hitchhiker's Guide, there's a race of aliens that are a hyper-intelligent shade of blue. I'm mm-hmm. like that now, basically. But <laughs> Steven um, just rolled the credits on Final Fantasy VII Remake, l- like literally minutes before we started recording, maybe even seconds. He just turned yeah, off his PlayStation 4. Yeah, literally like less than two minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I'm so surprised you're not weeping. I'm surprised you didn't text me and say like, I need 30 minutes. But I do like that we're capturing whatever energy you have, at least in an audio form, you know, for, for the future. You know when you summon Leviathan and, and that all happens? Like, that was me, but just of sweat and tears and, like, any any emotional liquid just yeah, there, out of there, me. Yeah, there is an actual literal point in the video game where I was playing it and I, I, turned to, uh, I turned to my partner and I was like, I bet you that when Steven hits this point, he will be sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So now, okay, I've re-manifested my corporeal form. I have a super ego now, unless just pure desire. Uh, <laughs> this episode is going to be very, very spoiler-centric, but I think we're going to kick things off with just like a, a remake of our overview of the game. Because last episode, we were both around like a little less than halfway through. Um, yeah, and- I'm actually amazed at how how much i thought i had played when we recorded last time i was like i have enough to know what i think about this video game it's as if, <laughs> as, as if we both sat at a magic trick and left before the hat the rabbit was pulled out like, that was a cool hat you know i was like like literally yeah, for real uh, i mean I, I think like in retrospect like everything we said based on what we played like i still agree with um but i think like the general tone of my voice in that in that episode was like that I was really loving it. Like from Go, I, I've I've loved this game, um, but it was kind of an uneven experience. And like, yeah, it it was it was sort of like not hindered by anything, but there were like a few glaring things that kind of like made it a roller coaster of like you know it's like okay, is this gonna stick the landing? Is it not? And like I think pretty much after we finished recording, 
the more I played, the more that kind of asterisk just faded away. And mm. now, like, I do think there's there's still plenty to criticize, but, like, now that I've completed the game and, like, have seen its intention and, like, know what the plan here was, I am, uh, I am so blown away by this game in ways that I could never have expected. Um, and I think, like, all I'll say uh, before we, we get more into details, and I think we're going to revisit some of the, like, the more concrete stuff, but I think that it is really inspiring and refreshing to see a remake of maybe the biggest game ever really, <laughs> really internalize what that means and explore it in a creative way that I think changes literally what a remake could and should be. like. It, it is so inspiring to me in ways that I'll get into later. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I very much, I think I'm surprisingly on the same page as you about yeah. that. Um, cool. And, and I'm kind of excited to talk about how we both feel about the ending, given... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm so used to recording in the morning with a cup of coffee, and right now it's like, later in the evening and i just like accidentally chugged my whiskey that i had with me. Like, <laughs> like muscle muscle memory of like sipping my cold brew I'm like that was not coffee my friend yeah anyway i'm sorry continue. yeah we're recording very late um yeah by the way like i i finished uh i finished i didn't even mention this i finished the game today uh, i rolled credits a couple hours ago and then went out shopping and made some dinner and stuff uh steven finished the game and at least for me we're recording like right before 11 o'clock p.m the day before this episode might or might not come out depending on timing and stuff sorry aj forgive me um so yeah we uh we, we played it right up into the wire uh just because we wanted this episode to be pretty all all encompassing i think um but anyway i'm I'm excited to talk about our takes on the ending given how much you know about ff7 the original and how little i know about ff7 the original yeah i'm I'm very curious to hear to hear what you thought um and i think too like leading up to that there's a lot to talk about as well i think like outside of just the ending my enjoyment of this game and, and the execution of the game as it continued from where we last recorded quadrupled like every chapter um yeah i we we you and i have been talking a lot back and forth over the course of our playing of this game i think you know right from go but also since recording the last episode and and one of my constant refrains at least looking back at our message history is just like every time i sit down to play this game i like it more than the last time i sat down to play it yeah um i i couldn't get enough of it leading up to the end like i i was just like yeah man just just shove it right into my fucking eye holes like i (laughs) i want more and more and more of this at all times like i i missed it when i wasn't playing it like i i wrote this in our discord uh earlier right as the credits were rolling but like i couldn't remember the last game that i finished um it i think uh, somebody in the discord also mentioned this and i think they might be right i think it was fire emblem was the last game that i finished like completely I did not finish Fire Emblem as quickly as I finished this game, you know, yeah. um, as 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 uh, fervently as we as we like devoured Fire Emblem. Like I finished this game really quick considering how, how, long it is. Uh, how many hours did you have at, at completion for it? Uh, just under 40. Oh, OK. I had like 45. Yeah. So I like play a little bit more. Um, yeah. You know, I took my time with it. I yeah, it. I did not. So I w- what I will say is there's a certain point in the game <laughs> where i was like i'm gonna stop kind of taking my time with this and i'm just gonna critical path it to the end because i was just like excited to see how it ended 
Um, yeah. So now I'm going back and I'm checking out some other stuff, uh, which, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about later. I, I was blown away by it. I, I love it. I'm probably going to play it again at some point. Um, not though not before i finish ff7 the original which i'm very excited to do now yeah. um i'll take I, half the time <laughs> yeah i so my, my plan i think is to go back and play it from the beginning so i've played the whole midgar section of the original as we've talked about in previous episodes you know just because i i just wanted the story that i was gonna get or that i thought i was gonna get in the remake sure. at least yeah. uh and i didn't want to spoil anything for myself um so so i only played that much i will probably start and then play through the whole thing i think straight now uh, i have it on switch i just want to mention again if you want to play the original it is on switch it is probably the best version of the game to get right now yeah absolutely i mean as much as i love the novelty of like putting in three different ps1 discs like a vinyl uh you know yeah. side one uh <laughs> yeah uh the the switch port is great um if you do that i might do that too and maybe we can like because you know it's been a while mm. since i've played through the original myself yeah. even though like <laughs> i know a thing or two about it <laughs> i used to like god man that i've mentioned that brady game strategy guide in middle school like if you like said my like Manchurian candidate password i would just <laughs> tell you how to breed a golden chocobo <laughs> from memory um mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that would be cool because I, I would especially like it's almost the inverse for me where like having played this, like I also want to like reflect on the original. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, before we go on, uh, we'll set up like a, a RPG ass. Once you go past here, you can't go back and, you know, do all the mini games. Uh, <laughs> do we want to like say anything before we get into like spoiler story stuff like about the game more or anything yeah yeah i wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about just some of the mechanical stuff that i really enjoyed i think yeah. just like just to like breeze by it just because i don't think we we touched on it i think enough in the in the last episode because i think you and i playing the last one it was like look you're, <laughs> let me be completely honest with you dear listener and with you steven i mean we, we both know this but like okay it's really hard to talk about this video game on a podcast like this is the first honestly this is the first time I think that we've ever talked about a video game where I like sat down I was like a little nervous because I was like I don't what do you say about it I, I I just feel like it's it's one of those things that's so difficult to talk about and it's so hard to like I think uh capture in one episode I mean you and I talked for literally three hours last week about it and I still think that we didn't touch on everything that we wanted to hit on um I, I'm just excited to be able to talk about it more again, especially having played more like you and I were right before Wall Market before we yeah. talked about uh, yeah. the game last week. So like the amount of game that we have seen since then is so wild. I mean, Wall Market by itself is like, I think one of the most questionable things about the original that like really needed to be interrogated and thought about um and and i was nervous to see where they were going to take it um i think as most people were um i'm to me personally they kind of knocked it out of the park uh at least based on how i interpreted a lot of the stuff that was happening not that there wasn't some stuff that i i still bump up against and think is like you know could could have been done better um but in terms of just like the overall idea of of that sequence i i feel a lot better about it but again that's that's a thing we can talk about more specifically later but as far as the stuff that happens in wall market like that's i think where you get most of the like oh maybe this is kind of a little bit of an open world jrpg adjacent thing where you're getting a ton of side quests and they're all like different kinds of mini games that you can do for like weird shit so just for example there's a 
maybe beloved maybe not i'm not really sure because i wasn't around when when the original came out but like the 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 gym that you go to and you have to do a bunch of squats with people like i remember doing that mini game in the original and thinking like this is really goofy and loving it in the remake like love it because those characters in high def just incredible somebody asked me may i have this squat and i was like of course you can (laughs) like and that's also like i think in the original that that particular setting that gym felt like it was a little bit like of a joke and here it's like a very loving environment while still being silly like it's a very like and i think i think you're right i mean i've read a lot about uh various people's perspective on the new wall market chapter and like overall it's like this was a very good step and like yeah I, i think the game at the very least is is extremely conscious of of what happened in the last game mm-hmm. and what they're doing here um and, and we'll talk more about that as as we go into the more spoiler stuff because i i have a lot to say about wall market but like in general yeah that that's that chapter i think is where the game starts to really pick up um and yeah. from there it just like keeps getting better and better yeah um, j- just to give for people who maybe haven't played or whatever j- uh wall market is kind of like a las vegas-esque like uh red light district area i guess of midgar um a little more like you know there there is no uh police presence or anything really in wall market it is con- entirely run by uh one, i mean one guy essentially who is like the yeah. mafia who runs the entire city um yeah Yeah, and they properly villainize him here which i i think we'll get into more too i mean he's a villain in the first game as well but uh i think he's an interesting character because like you see so much of the of the people on the very top abusing their power but here's this like fucking weasel that has a crumb of power and how much he abuses it is like really sick yeah absolutely yeah um i think that's important to show like abuses of power at all levels kind of like persona 5 or like you see you know, a gym teacher alongside the, uh, a politician. Yeah, I just I um, want to mention that I have not stopped playing Persona 5 Royal also uh, over the course oh, of the past yeah. couple of weeks. It's kind of been like yeah. any time that I haven't been playing FF7, I've been playing Persona 5 Royal. And boy, are those games great to play together. It's chocolate and peanut yeah. butter. Um, I've been I, I got Persona 5 Royal as a gift and I've been saving it for after FF7. So now I can finally. Start cool. I'm excited for you to play it because yeah. even I mean, I also haven't really played a lot of the original of that. Um, but some of the changes I know are happening because there's new characters. Um, so I'm excited to see how you feel about those. Uh, anyway, some of the stuff I, would, I just want to touch on real quick about. Yeah. this game that i am over the moon about and didn't expect to be because i think i even mentioned this last week but like after playing the demo i didn't think i was going to want to talk about the combat system very much and in general like the combat system of video games is not the thing that i feel like i want to talk about usually like yeah yeah um but but this game just like I don't want to play another Final Fantasy game that isn't exactly this. And like, I'm sure they'll change it. But <laughs> but this idea of like uh, uh, Final Fantasy 15 slash Kingdom Hearts adjacent active combat system with the ability to kind of freeze time and use uh, in, in previous Final Fantasy games, there's a thing called an ATB meter, which would fill up slowly over time uh, or in this game as you land hits and also slowly over time. Uh, it'll fill up faster but uh once you fill up your atb bar you can freeze time and select like kind of uh special attacks or spells or you can use items uh, which is kind of an interesting one you can't use an item unless you have the atb bar uh, atb bar full um which i think is really fascinating that 
combination of like i'm running around i'm attacking people i'm switching between characters i'm attacking people i'm looking at the bottom right to see which atb bars are full uh how full the limit gauge is uh you know what what are, what are people's mana at and and where's my summon meter at and stuff like that um and switching between characters and like okay i'm going to switch to tifa and then use this ability like freeze time use this ability uh and then when that animation is like halfway done i'm going to switch over to cloud and then use this attack or use this spell to like boost the stagger meter because there's like also a Sekiro-esque parry bar in this video game um yeah Yeah. that has like a really I think kind of incredible persona Pokemon-esque like uh rocks paper scissors kind of situation where some enemies are weak against certain attacks or certain kinds of attacks and elemental attacks and things like that um so you have this like really kind of deep and rich strategy system built into what should be just like i'm pressing square a whole bunch and sometimes i press triangle uh is like i i think really special and and to me one of the things that like if i was to point at the original final fantasy 7 and say like what did this change about video games the answer is a lot and if i'm to point at final fantasy 7 remake and say what is this going to change about video games i don't think it's gonna be too much but like i want everyone to take this and just you know add it to everything else yeah it's it's incredible i i think two two things that came to mind with it are one i think it also so so effectively aids the the feeling of ensemble and the strength of the ensemble where like yes i I think you know there's so much customization of how characters play but like whether it's it's the role that the characters broadcast or a role you've made for them the the dialogue and just the act of switching between them like i haven't watched all of evan children but the one scene that i've that i've witnessed and that most people point to as being the best part of the movie is when the whole team is fighting Bahamut and they each like mm-hmm. help each other. They each like kind of throw cloud higher up and like, yeah, uh, even less cloud centric than that. This is just like, there are so many cutscenes in the remake that like are every character helping each other. It's not just cloud saving his friends or vice versa. Like it's everyone helping each other. And yeah. you see the strength of that. There are fights where they start you off by yourself and then they slowly throw more characters in. And like you feel, it's like a relief. You feel, yeah. You feel how much more effective it is. And I think like um, this game, both mechanically and narratively, is so much more invested in the ensemble than the leading protagonist. Uh, which I think is like the strength of FF Seven above all else is like is the characters. I think like uh, both in the original and in this remake, that is like the thing. And I think the star of the show in the remake as well as the combat. The other thing about this particular system mechanically is that ATB always felt like it was the 1997 version of them trying to do what they're doing now. Like, yes, because I think like you have turn based combat, which is, you know, completely you can take as much time as you need to choose your action. And that's great. And that still is great. You see that in games like I actually think the best turn based combat in Final Fantasy is 10. And we've seen it like. Uh, modernized in a way that keeps it interesting in games like Persona 5 and I would argue Octopath Traveler mechanically. Yeah. Um, uh, but ACB felt like its intention back in the 90s was to make turn-based combat more exciting, to try to combine the excitement and, and, uh, and like in-the-moment tension of real-time with the strategy of turn-based. What happened in 1997 was that you got the worst of both. You got the anxiety <laughs> of real-time yeah. combat with the limitation of, of whatever. At the time, it was really exciting, especially because like 
the limit breaks like that uh, if ff7 did one big thing for that series final fantasy is that it was the transition to being much more cinematic mm-hmm. um and you could see that in the battle system uh but yeah like like don't get me wrong i en- i enjoy it like it's it's fine but it is a placeholder in in the original game um and and enemies don't really feel different from each other uh, even though there's great monster design happening uh and I, I i kind of appreciate remake just being like i imagine all the artists were in the room like what are our favorite designs okay that's the boss like fuck it like <laughs> our, fav- our favorite monster that was just like a throwaway rando in the train graveyard that's the boss now eat yeah. shit uh which i really like because you know th- there is appeal in that design but like you know in the original it's like okay well i'm just gonna mash attack and like I think in the original battle system too, like your party can get so good so quickly that like a lot of battles don't have the narrative weight they should. Like if you do everything, if you have all the ultimate weapons, you bred a golden chocobo and you have the Knights of the Round summon, you could beat Sephiroth in one hit at the end. And it's like, Hmm. like there is, there is fun in that kind of like retro game breaking stuff. Yeah. And and like, you know, it's a, it's a different genre as far as I'm concerned, but I do like the fact that this game is 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 like a orchestra of narrative difficulty where like a fight is going to have I, I will say I think in remake sometimes like bosses are 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 a little bit more numerous than maybe they should be but they're always fun. Yeah, uh, I read and, one and, article that that mentioned that um conversations in the original are boss fights in remake uh <laughs> which like is yeah. so is so on and that point. was actually that was something that you and i talked about in the, in our early episode of like one of our points of tension with the game you know in the first half was like not everything in the original needs to be a big deal you know yeah. like and and i still feel that way about like little moments but having finished it i think that complaint has gone out the window and has been hit by like eight different shinra vehicles like <laughs> it that that is gone um the other thing too that I mentioned last time, and and this is like you mentioned, you don't really bring up combat systems on Into the Aether, a Loki video game podcast. <laughs> I have never once been like the graphics suck. I hate this game. Zero out of ten. Yeah, it's never been my vibe. Um, but there are like are noticeable performance issues, you know, in moments in this game, uh, specifically not how it runs or plays at all, but there's just like random moments where the textures won't load. Uh, having played more of it, that issue really does go away as well. It's it's most really noticeable. surprising. It's like it's yeah. like the middle. It's like the I would say the middle third to like maybe one quarter of the game seems kind of like deficient in terms of just fidelity, and then everything yeah. else is beautiful. And that's why that bit stands out so much. I was trying to yes. kind of articulate this a little bit better in the Discord than I did on the last episode because I think yeah. honestly I came off very negative in the last episode. And again, I just want to catch all this and like. I love this game. I think it's incredible. Um, but but because most of it, like a large sum of this game is so incredibly well realized, the stuff that isn't is is so obvious, I think. Um, yeah, and, and it's it, the kind of obvious that I would normally never notice or even think to point out or yeah. want to point out. Um, but like I was thinking about it really actively while playing the last, like, I would say two to three hours of this game um, when you're in Shinra HQ, which I don't think is a spoiler. But when you're in Shinra HQ, um, everything is incredible. Like everything looks amazing. Um, And I was just playing through that segment, looking like 
in all the windows, out all the windows, like just overhearing conversations here and there, just like checking out this entire gigantic building um, and thinking to myself, like, man, what happened in those earlier segments yeah, where it was it just a flat like, JPEG? <laughs> it feels like they made the beginning and end first. Yes, it feels you know, like, like they it, it, yeah. honestly, I was going to say that I feel it feels like the ending was so solidified. Yeah. First. And yeah. then they went back and did the beginning. Yes, exactly. It feels like yeah. they did ending, beginning, and then middle. Not to say the middle is bad at all. The middle has some of my favorite moments, but Same. Like, yeah. it is it is like like the texture thing. Like there are cutscenes where like it does diffuse the moment because it will cut to something and it's like a like a Tony Hawk two vibe. Yeah, and uh, that that actually does bleed into the end a little bit too. There's there's like a kind of um you know they do like a pan over Midgar towards the end and and they just kind of float by some people in some of the oh, sectors yeah, and, and we still have like the the tony hawk pro skater 2 I mean, textures which is a little weird yeah to a degree like i always expect uh like there to be that drop in fidelity with certain moments but like yeah it's like it's in the slums where which is, is kind of ironic that that's where it like doesn't look as good but like you know it it's so like purposely lit and like the art design is unreal it just and i noticed too like there there are some places that like looked really whack and then I went back and they looked great. And it, so I think I honestly think it's something they could probably patch. It's like not that they use bad textures, but that they aren't loading properly. Yeah, I, I do think this is the kind of situation where eventually there will be some kind of patch that will make the game look better. Like, yeah. honestly, like this is such a huge tempo release. I and, I and I hate to say it, but I'm sure there's like some really intense stories behind some of the crunch that was involved in making this game and getting it out yeah. on time and stuff like that especially uh, given everything happening right now like it's amazing it came out and like yeah it plays exactly. great it, it never like it, that's the thing that had to be sacrificed like that's fine like it does not it, it affects moments but having finished the game like it does not really it's not like the it's not the like stone in my shoe it was in the beginning right um, that is not the when sense. i point at this game and and i think say my overall thoughts on it those problems are not going to be the things that I bring up anymore. No, um, no. in the way that I thought that they would be. Uh, yeah, because like yeah. I, I think there's a there's a point where like the game begins is amazing, and then I think you and I both were like, oh, is this the rest of the game? Like, yeah, you and I literally talked about yeah. this video game at the point where it is at its worst <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, um, but <laughs> I think. I think that about covers it. Um, I think unless you have anything else to say before we move into like, yeah, just very, just two quick things. I, uh, in the original, I did not understand the materia system. I love it in this game. I get it now. And I'm excited to take that knowledge back in time with me to 1997 and, you know, apply it to the original game. Also, I think just one of the most brilliant things about this game mechanically that I, I love, 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 love is a little bit twofold one half of it is i think the the weapon upgrade system is oh it's so good yeah. incredible i mean i honestly of the like almost 40 hours that i played a lot of it was spent just like hanging out in just to explain what happens you get a weapon uh and you have what are called sp points that you can apply to upgrades in that weapon and when you go into the weapon upgrade menu it is literally solar systems with planets floating around um and you go around to the different solar systems and you upgrade the different planets and that's how you unlock <laughs> different things like attack power or extra magic or i don't know like a, a an extra attack that this weapon will do now uh or a new materia slot things like that 
What's so, so, so great about it, though, is that whenever you level up, you get SP points, and that is not a pool that you apply to all of your weapons. It's not like you have 100 SP points and you can spend those 100 across all of your weapons. Every single weapon now has 100 SP points, so you can upgrade every single weapon, and they, and they all have different upgrades when you get in there. You can upgrade every single weapon differently, and, and depending on what you're kind of favoring at that given time or how you're building that character specifically, you can decide to level up that weapon in that way, and then... When you're done going through your giant list of weapons that you have for one character, you can kind of decide between all of them. Okay, now that I have locked in these stats, this is the one that I want to use. And now I'm going to apply the materia to this weapon that I want to use at this point. And then you go and you do that for the other characters. And that process takes a long time, but is joyful. It is so, it's so fun. fun. It's, yeah, it's, it's it, I, I was elated every time that I did it. But what that also means is that it allows you to really 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 like on a deeper level than i was expecting customize every character to fight exactly the way you want to there's a point um where where barrett starts to get melee weapons instead of ranged weapons yeah i was gonna bring uh, that up yeah that that honestly like i i was already i think using barrett in a different way than most people were i had him uh pretty much as like the mage i didn't have him as the tank i had him as the mage i had him using all of my like attack magic spells and he was also a brawler for a little bit. And at a certain point, I was like, this doesn't make as much sense. And it was the first time that I had gone from saying the attack power is the most important number, like the, like the physical attack power is the most important number. And whatever attack power is the highest, that's the weapon that I'm going to use. And then switching over to saying, I'm going to take a more balanced approach to this and I'm going to use range stuff. But that allows me to increase the magic power on Barrett. Um, and that allows him to heal people, hang back. And also use a bunch of magic, um, which I thought was awesome. Like, I, I don't know if that's how everybody builds their Barrett out, but like, that's how I built mine out. And I think that's really I think that's really special. Like Cloud, for example, he only had one spell. He had fire and that was it throughout pretty much the entire Very game. Interesting. Wow. OK, interesting. I, uh, I one thing I'll add, I totally agree with with your praise of the system. One thing I'll add is that uh, each weapon has a skill that's unique to it, but once you're once you get enough experience using that ability, you get it forever. So yes. something that oh I my god, it's incredible! Like, what an get, incredible thing! Yeah. Um, and some of them are like broken. Like uh, Tifa has one called Star Shower, where she just like gets kind of pumped up and then just kicks everything, yeah, like, <laughs> super fast, and it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll talk how I built my characters if if you don't mind. Oh please, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, the game changes up your party so frequently that, like, you're in, in you, there's a huge incentive to invest in everyone and to also kind of change everyone around, like, on the fly in some ways. But Tifa, I loaded up with just yellow materia and purple materia. So, like, she only had maybe, I think I gave her time materia, like a spell, so she could cast haste and stop. Mm -hmm. um, but she was my DPS. So, like, physical up close so she would just get in combos do unbridled strength get in those combos mm -hmm. and i had a i had recover hp linked to her deadly dodge materia which lets her whenever i roll out of the way i do a kick and whenever i do that kick because of the hp materia i regain health 
So I had her as like this unstoppable, self-sufficient force. Yeah. Never mind the chakra that could also heal her. So it feels she- like it feels like that one Kirby game for the N64, Crystal Shards, where like they let you finally blend powers together, <laughs> put everything together. Yeah. Uh, Cloud was actually my main spellcaster. Like he was kind of my. I made him like an overall character, but like. I had him have the most offensive magic, and then Barrett was like my healer and tank, um, which yeah. is probably the more straightforward route. Aerith, I, I also like. I mean, I feel like you probably have her the least amount of time of anyone. Yeah, um, absolutely. But she, her, she has a mo- her and Barrett also have two like lovably broken skills. Uh, Barrett's is maximum fury. Get yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, and and he just like unloads bullets in like a direct stream until the enemy is dead basically yeah every time you use maximum fury it's the it's the climax of a rambo movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) and Aerith has her own like version of that but it's magic i think it's called ray of judgment yep and like she just like kind of floats and does like a sith lightning beam like in one direction (laughs) and is like feeling chilly i'm like this is amazing yeah uh yeah the the puns of the spells never got old like cool off stay cold yeah you know, it's, it's mr freeze um i think Aerith's feeling chilly was my favorite um clouds are always funny because they're kind of lame he was like lights out shocking or something like, come, on. <laughs> come on dude um but yeah it's it's unreal it reminds me of like the sphere grid from uh ff10 with yes. the with the upgrades which i also really liked um it is the perfect balance of of because uh, i think in in the original something that i always kind of bumped against was like at a certain point the characters don't matter it's like just materia Mm -hmm. um and limit breaks so they kind of are reduced so i mean which is in in a way kind of interesting because you can use who you want to and make them whatever you want them to be yeah but there's like no like role to play really at a certain point in the game here at least like even though you can always change people to do whatever like they still have like a very core role to play Mm -hmm. like if you're going to make, like, if you invest in Aerith being an offensive mage uh, versus versus Barret or Tifa, like, they're going to play differently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, at the very least, you have, like, okay, Cloud and Tifa are, like, are, are melee, you know, on, on the ground fighters, and then Aerith and Barret are, are long range. So, they're always going to have that. Unless you switch Barret's weapon to be the scissors, then he's up close, baby. Yeah. Um it's so good like that, i'm just i'm like, just so interested in how many times i decided like okay this was my strategy but this is gonna be my strategy now and like spent yeah. another 25 to 30 minutes in the upgrade weapons and materia menus and like loving it and also just want to like make this perfectly clear they have options in the game to automatically assign your sp however you want so there's i think a couple settings one of them is balanced one of them is uh, preferred, I think, attack, and one of them is preferred defense. So if that all sounds very daunting to you, if you're like, I actually don't want to spend 25 to 30 minutes in this menu, you also don't have to do that. It'll just automatically assign those points whenever you get them, uh, which also rules. I actually did that for Aerith's stuff because I was like, she's not in the party, so I don't really care about how I'm upgrading her weapons at the yeah, moment. Yeah. And then as soon as she came back, it was like, okay, now I care again, and then I turned that stuff off. But yeah, I, I, I think like uh all of those systems in in conjunction with one another just kind of create your own version of of final fantasy 7 in a way that i wasn't expecting and didn't like on top of that didn't expect to love as much as i did 
um yeah and continue to yeah it's and great that, it's that so is good. like that is objectively the star of this game like if, if if for whatever reason like nothing else works for you that will it just yeah. inherently if, if you're you know into this kind of combat which like i think is new i think the alchemy of like it's like in ratatouille where he puts the two foods together and he's like that's a new thing it's it's exactly what's yes. happening here this is the ratatouille of final fantasy combat yeah um it's wonderful i'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because i think like like you said this is like uh uh it is such a hard game to discuss because of just how it doesn't feel like it should exist i yeah. literally like <laughs> and, and and i've mentioned that too i think like the the <clears throat> this project in particular is like something that that has been asked for or wished for for forever since the game has like been released you know because we talked about this in the last yeah. episode but like even the graphical fidelity of like Final Fantasy eight and nine compared to seven are like pretty drastically better. Um, or at least mm-hmm. they're stylized in a way that like doesn't look quite as jarring. Even outside of graphics, I think like the 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 era of seven came out like very early days of PlayStation One and like pretty much like a few years later people wanted another shot at it. Um yeah. and I think like this much time passes, you start to wonder like why do you want this? Like why like actually sit down and think like, why do you want this to be remade? Mm-hmm. What is it about? Cause you know, I, I have, I hear all the time like, Oh, I want to see Ocarina of Time in 4k or I want to see uh <laughs> pop. I want to see Pong with real logs. I don't know. Whatever. Choose your old game. Someone wants a remake of it. And I'm not yeah. trying to sound like a cranky old man is I'm not against remakes at all as evidenced by 30 seconds ago. Uh, I think there's <laughs> there's a way to do them, and it's it's so interesting to, to think about. Like, um, I mentioned how much I liked the Resident Evil Two remake. That is a remake that that basically just like takes the original and gives it an extreme makeover and like makes it better. Like it's just the it's just a better version of the old game. Right. Uh, I, I'm a big proponent in experiencing and learning older video games. I I don't think they should be like discarded because of of older graphics i i don't hold that view at all that being said like tank controls uh all that stuff like you're gonna have a, you're gonna have the intended experience of resident evil 2 with the remake i would argue yeah uh, unless you want to i, I have mean that really that era of the playstation 1 when resident evil 2 and and 1 and final fantasy 7 came out are like prepubescent 3d graphics you know what i mean it's, <laughs> it's like yeah it's, yeah it's 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 the junior prom of fidelity yeah you know? exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah um it it is yeah lear- learning to crawl before walking situation we're just trying to think of the episode title <laughs> um but i think you know so so resident evil 2 and then uh persona 5 royal i mean i haven't played it yet but that almost feels like an encore that's like a two year later uh yeah. uh it's almost like an expansion pack of sorts where it's like you love the old one we're back on stage baby we're gonna do it again mm-hmm. but with more stuff um so you have stuff like that and then you have a game like this that like uh you know is is so much love is put into this in in so many different ways and and it so heavily asks itself why it exists it so heavily is like okay like if we just gave you like the same exact story word for word scene for scene in souped up graphics like yeah that would probably be a fun experience but like 
this game's ambitions are higher than that and i think that shows mechanically with the combat and i think it shows in the story especially which we will discuss soon but um yeah yeah absolutely i I mean i love this game the idea of a one-to-one remake of this game is so uninteresting as as much as i as i understand the desire for it i think if you really sit down you ask yourself like is that the thing that i want i don't think that the answer would be yes um because so much of that game feels truncated right like the entire midgar section of that game at, at least from my playing it last summer like it felt rushed it felt like i needed to spend more time there to really understand it and on top of that you have all the problems that are like very well documented if you really want to like get into it um sorry with with the uh with the like kind of bummer translation uh yeah, the, lo- the localization is like the huge like uh blemish on the original games yeah like, record yeah. If, if you want like a really 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 well documented uh take on that you can go over to kotaku i think they have on their youtube channel uh tim rogers did like a multi-part i want to say like 10 part series like breaking down <laughs> the localization awesome. of that game and he went and then like relocalized the game as it should have been like via that youtube series um it's it's really well done i've only watched one of them um but i want to check out the other ones but anyway like that's awesome if if that were the case like if you were to just get this game one-to-one remade you know full fidelity with better localization like as as nice as that would be i don't think it would be as fulfilling as the thing we're getting right like the fact that they're adding all this extra stuff actually does make the game better at points and i definitely understand and we'll talk about this more i think when we get into the spoiler section but like as much as i understand some of the backlash towards the latter half of the game and overall some of the changes that are being made and some of the new stuff that's being added like i would much rather them take a big swing uh and 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 try for something greater and ask themselves these questions uh and sit down in a in a conference room somewhere in square enix and say like okay the the collapsed expressway how do we make this even remotely fun because it sucked last time (laughs) like (laughs) like i think that that's a i think that those are good questions to ask um and and it's trying and honestly like for all of the times that it fails it succeeds so many times that i i feel okay about it you know what i mean like there i think the collapsed expressway still is terrible in this game personally and it's like one of the reasons i'm not super excited to go back and replay it in new game plus but they tried something right they 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 really like they looked at the thing and said let's let's make this like a, a more fun kind of puzzle sequence um yeah i i think that there are larger mechanical problems with that than just let's make this a puzzle sequence but like i would rather that kind of stuff because then you get things like a a newly revitalized wall market and then you get things like the ability to spend four hours on one chapter doing side quests that are a joy uh, and don't feel like fetch quests, even though in the beginning you're like killing rats and stuff. By the time you hit like one of the later chapters, you're doing a bunch of side quests and the game opens up into it like a for real open world Midgar game, which I think is yeah. stellar. Um, yeah, I, this this game takes some really big swings and I think it it, it nails it more than it doesn't. Uh, and, and I think that's really special considering that it says remake on the box. Like I'm seeing people online say like, oh, this game is false advertising. Like. Uh, f- fuck that <laughs> honestly See, it's interesting because you and i both thought originally that remake being on the cover was like 
you know 100% beef like doing the game a disservice yeah now i think it's fucking brilliant i think it's incredible uh i think it (laughs) it has such dramatic irony to it that i'm in love with it and yeah i mean if you'll indulge me with an equally mid-90s reference i i think i mentioned this before where like uh steven's inner 13 year old always kind of like has uh this this particular allegory or an allegory but like this particular metaphor in my head of like a, a artistic project that that takes big chances and doesn't always land but when it does land there's nothing like it mm-hmm. and then there's like the all the hits safe kind of thing yeah so if the original ff7 is the nevermind uh is the <laughs> nirvana's you know uh-huh. best hits start to finish is a good album the remake is the in utero where there are some songs you're like, why is this on the album? Why do they agree to this? <laughs> and then there are other songs. There are other songs on the album where you're like, this is the band. This is Nirvana. Yeah. Like, uh, all apologies, numb. Like, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Like, excuse me. All apologies, dumb. That's what I'm there for. You know? Yeah. So I, I would, I would use that analogy for this game just to kind of give it a full mid nineties ribbon. Yeah. Um, perfect. Uh, yeah so put that on my tombstone you know Mm -hmm. um i now is probably a good time to move on to spoilers get me out of here unless unless you feel like you have anything else no no i mean i think like uh if you've listened to this part you're probably someone who's like maybe played like up to where we were last time or you know like you just haven't finished it yet or you just don't care about spoilers Um, because i feel like this like I, I worry that this segment even touched on some things, but you know, we're not perfect. I think we're going to advertise that this episode is just like a land minefield, basically, <laughs> like in general. But now we're actually going to discuss specifics. So, yeah, uh, but yeah I, have, I have nothing else to add. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, let's move on then. Um, I'm going to go get another drink and uh, then we talk about spoilers. Sounds good to me. Goodbye. I'll see you then. Goodbye. I'm also going to get a drink. Okay, cool. (laughs) Steven, we're back. (sighs) We're free. We're free to discuss this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Where do you even begin with this? Um, That's actually a great question. How do you want to frame this? Do you want to do what we did last time where we just go through it? Do you want to just speak on the ending first as like a framing device of itself? Uh, or do you want to... Uh, or do you want to just bring up whatever you want to talk about? There's no there's no structure here. Yeah. I honestly am not against going through it like in order, to be honest. Like... But totally up to you. I'm yeah. I'm I would your, I would need to bring up I think the chapter list and see what happens. I think if we were to do that, I feel like if I start with the ending, I'm gonna sound like I stopped you on the street and like I'm like <laughs> just shouting my fan theory at you. Uh, so why don't we uh, why don't we just go through it? Because I think like it would actually be nice to start where we left off from the last episode, kind of like. Uh, what we did in the earlier segment of sort of touching on what we brought up last time. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, we were at Wall Market, right? That was we were on chapter nine. Yeah, we were on Wall Market. I just want to say, like, really quickly too, because one of the things I brought up last episode was that um, I found the the voice direction of Barrett and Aerith to be more hit or miss compared to Cloud and Tifa, like in the beginning, mm-hmm. which I still stand by. That being said, 
boy do their voice actors like steal the show quickly after we recorded that episode <laughs> like uh they nail the characters i just want to say that because i think like the whole cast does a great job um, yeah i don't we, i, I don't yeah. know if i mentioned this on the show or off the show but i know you and i talked about this but i was a little bit like up in the air about Aerith's direction and and character i think early on when you first meet her um uh, she she just becomes incredible so quickly. yeah i, I mean, love how they yeah. handled her character like because in the beginning i was worried they were making her like almost too carefree where i'm like i don't know if she's like fully like it just felt like uh, she didn't feel like a real person at one yes point. and and then you learn about her and and i mean i already knew aristide okay but like she was written in a different way that that you and i kind of bumped up against and then like fully solidifies by the end and is so good and yeah. it's like the f- the four characters are just incredible also fucking fainted at red 13 which we'll get into but like also <laughs> nailed that character I, I, know. I love red 13 i couldn't um, believe how much i cared about red 13 that was my <laughs> i'll talk i'll talk about this later but um yeah actually let's incredible. just incredible i'll talk about it later yeah, uh okay yeah i i i was kind of blown away by um by by Aerith at one point and also Barrett as 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 many problems as there are with that character they definitely I think hit the the core of what they were going for later on um yeah. you know that that doesn't that doesn't excuse or or solve any of the problems that are underlying with the entirety of that character of um, course but but in terms of in terms of the the attempt to to hit um a, an emotional core and an emotional resonance for that character like they they definitely do that i think um i found myself caring for him a lot by the end um which yeah, is I great mean, i i th- that that's the trouble and that's something that is like almost directly to blame with the original was the localization of barry in particular was like really rough yeah. and like not what was what was intended really um and but even in the original, like he has such a great story and is a great character, like at the core, um, you know, kind of cloaked in this like awful stereotype. Yeah. Not to speak too much more on that, but like, I, I, I think that, like you said, in the moments that really matter, like not out of the park and, and, and we'll, we'll touch on that more as we get to those moments, uh, as we go through. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, Walmart, I really enjoyed, I think. You mentioned that it's like a Vegas place. It's interesting because in my head, in the remake, it's definitely Vegas. Like in all, in all, all, all shades of Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, you had this sort of like more tourist-facing stuff, and then you had the, like the kind of shady shit happening. Yeah. In the original, it's like straight at a taxi driver. It is like <laughs> scary. <laughs> yes. Like for real. I think I think people just like steal gill from you as you're walking around, and and the. Uh, I have to say I did miss the theme. Uh, the the song for Wall Market is the Oppressed, which is like a really cool reggae song, which just shows like the the genre scale of the original game soundtrack is mm-hmm. like insane. You have you have stuff that sounds like it was performed by like Yes at like a you know <laughs> like in the seventies, and then you have stuff that's like full orchestra choir, you know, and it somehow all fits, which yeah. is kind of emblematic of the game combining sort of modern urban setting with fantasy mm-hmm. um but that being said they remix that song in the in the roads leading up to our market and it is one of my favorite tracks in the game that remix 
in the fights is so good. I I, I loved it. it it's was incredible. Really, it's yeah. yeah. Every time Specific- they every time they hit it, it's like oh my god, yeah. It's just like it's yeah. one of those like get your adrenaline pumping, like you are ready to fight yeah. some fucking bandits kind of shit. And and that segment of the game too, like in the original, that's oddly the the core of Cloud and Aerith getting to know each other. Um, at that point, you've been split up from the group. I mentioned in the last episode that the Airbuster fight was like my favorite moment in the beginning. Um, and that leads to meeting Aerith and, and the Reno fight and everything. Um, so once you get to Wall Market, your objective is to is to rescue Tifa from Don Corneo. Um, and that, like you said, that's where it kind of gets a little bit more open worldy. Uh, there's a lot of mini games to do. I personally really, really, really love everything with Chadley, uh, with the summons. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. this, like, if there's any new character who just like knocked it out of the park for me, it was Chadley. I love them with all my heart. Yeah. Uh, it's such a cool addition. And like, not only is it an interesting character that like you never really is never fully explained, which I also love like that, like just giving you just a few details. Like, oh, I'm a Shinra intern. And that's it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. great. Um, but like all the all the stuff getting like battle intel and like enemy intel. Uh this game does a great job of making you want to collect everything. Like it really like yeah. satisfies that, that I'm not usually a completionist and like there's part of me that will maybe want to platinum this game one day, honestly. Mm. Um and uh I, I got every battle report except for one for Shadley, so I didn't get Bahamut. Because the more reports you get, the more summons you can get. You have to battle them in a VR simulator, which is amazing. It's such a great way to like make it make sense in this in a setting. weird way. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I got up to Leviathan. I know Bahamut's the last one. I didn't get Bahamut, but also love the way how summons work. It kind of reminds me of FF10, where like they are part of the battle and not just like a cinematic. Anyway, uh, I love Chadley. I liked all the mini games. Uh, the side quests, though, were hit or miss for me. There's only, like, 18 in the whole game. So there's not really, like... They never overstay their welcome. Yeah, there's... Um, I want to say either... I, I just looked at the list, because when you finish the game, it shows you yeah. how many side quests you completed. Like, it, it gives you, you know, a log of everything that you did in the game and how much stuff you still have to unlock. I think there's either 24 or 26 total. Um, okay. I was too short. I somehow missed two of them. I don't know how, because I really yeah, thought I that I... Yeah, I did, too. I, I I really thought that I did them, but um yeah that that that's all that's left, which is kind of wild. But yeah, there there aren't too many, and and they're like you said, hit or miss. You know, some of them literally are like honestly one of my biggest um one of my biggest complaints with the entirety of the game is just the way the map works. I think the map is awful and is hard to read, and and I have a really difficult time with it. And there yeah, are a lot of missions in which, or a lot of side quests specifically in the in the two uh chapters where they like really just kind of let the let the leash off and and let you run wild um i found myself having a very hard time figuring out where to go for missions um because yeah, of the map. Me too. and i feel like it honestly in retrospect i think this game would have benefited more from almost being more on the rails like yeah while i do I enjoy i i do enjoy the ability to like like i liked this sort of chapter 14 like okay we can scale the wall before we do make sure everything is tidied up and like loved, loved the, the wall market Coliseum loved the squatting and pull up contest. Okay. F- that pull up contest is the hardest thing in the game. They should just give you the platinum for doing that. I've never like had my heart, like my heart was racing during that pull up contest. 
Uh, I beat it by like one insane. Yeah. Uh, in, did you did you do it? I did. I did do it. Yeah. Very calm. Okay. You're a pro. You're a natural. Yeah. Jewels. I, I here. This is not me trying to brag <laughs> or anything. I didn't think it was too hard personally, but then I saw a lot of people online talking about how difficult it was. So I was. I'm a little bit like. Okay, that's interesting. Then you kind of gently placed your fedora on and said, "Well, I didn't find it that difficult." Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be an asshole about it. Um, because I I know it was very difficult for a lot of people. Um, I do wonder, and this is a thing that I haven't mentioned at all, and and you might find disappointing, but I it whatever. Um, I played this game on easy mode. I didn't mention this at all. Oh, really? Yeah, because I knew that I wouldn't finish it if I didn't. Interesting. I I this is tough. Yeah, it's it's like I was about to message you when I was fighting Zephyroth. Uh, heads up, he shows up. I was like, "Is there the like, Kenny does not beat him?" <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the only time, the only two times I got a game over were uh, the Hell House fight, which we'll get into. Oh, yeah. and great, and the final motorcycle fight at the very end. Mm. Uh, the boss, which, like, the boss during the motorcycle fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I kind of that was hard. Fucked that up. Yeah. Um. It was cool, but uh, we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. It's like literally. Uh. Well, it's the very end until it isn't. Um, yeah. I just I just want to mention very quickly. Um. Th- so there's there's when you start the game, there are three difficulty modes. One of them is normal. Uh. One of them is easy, and one of them is called classic, which is technically easy, but everyone in your party is, I think completely controlled by ai and you're just watching the atb meter and then you're choosing what special attacks and and magic and items they use i I don't think they're all controlled by ai i think it's that they just automatically defend when their atb is not up and then it's 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 the game's way of like emulating actually atb Mm -hmm. i've heard it's like not that great honestly but like if you're a stickler for like i don't want real time i want the the thing it's like it just sort of like automatically defends and then when you have the move, you can do it, which is actually not a bad way to teach the like the meta game of the combat, because like yeah, that is kind of how you have to to play eventually. Um, and like you know, there are some bosses where you can only get in standard hits every so often, and even timing your turn is is kind of the challenge. Yeah, um, um, I played on normal. It, it is a, it is a hard game. This is like this this is like. Not like Sekiro levels, but like not super far off on normal. Like, yeah, it, it's pretty challenging. I've so heard I've heard a lot it. about how difficult normal mode is. I think my plan, if I go through New Game Plus, is to play it on normal next and see how I feel about it before I move on to hard mode, which gets unlocked when you finish the game. Um, but yeah, I, I played it on easy, which um, is very easy. <laughs> um, it's it's very very easy. I do wonder if it affects mini games now that though now that i'm thinking about it i I wonder if it affects the pull-up contest and things like that i wonder that that'd be really interesting if 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 it just affected the whole game in that way um uh or maybe you're just a natural don't don't be so modest it's possible yeah but i I just virtual pull-ups i just want to mention that because like just just another i just want to add this to our list of like hey it's okay to play games on easy mode like that's that's lame if you think that people need to play on a certain difficulty um, I, I just knew that I wouldn't finish the game if I played it on normal mode because I had oh, heard yeah. how difficult it was. Uh, and I played it on easy and I had a fucking great time. It's one of my favorite games I've played in a very long time. And, uh, I've done that. Yeah, I've done totally. that. I did that with, uh, I did that with Witcher three, which we've talked about in passing, but mm-hmm. like that was a game where like I was at a certain point I was like, okay, I'm playing this for the story, which I'm really enjoying. 
but like I actively dislike the rest. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put it on. It's literally story mode where it just like you kind of breeze through and like had a much better time with that game. Yeah. I understand like for, for hardcore Witcher fans, like there, there might be joy to be had on harder difficulties, but for me, it wasn't there. Whereas with this game, uh, normal was perfect for me. Normal was, was like challenging. Yeah. And I, and I think like, I think you'll probably enjoy it, even though like no shade on easy. I think you'll enjoy normal because it will just sort of like add a layer of spice to your understanding of the combat. Um, yes, absolutely. Know, like, not, not to say one is better than the other, but I, I just think like, okay, you played through it and you know that you subjectively like the combat. So you're going to like the added layer of challenge. I agree. I, I, I think um, that that'll, I think that'll be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, easy, easy mode, uh, I should mention, by the way, like, it is pretty easy for most of it. There are a couple fights that I thought, like, were challenging, um, but I only had a party member go down, I want to say, three times throughout oh the entirety God. of the game. <laughs> Brother, I bought 30 Phoenix Downs for the, like, last, like, <laughs> I pretty much, like... I would say like over half of the fights in this game were like on death's door, basically. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a wild ride. And I've seen some I, articles about that. And I've seen some discussions about that, about the, the, the gulf of difficulty between easy and normal mode is like pretty, pretty wide. And, and with hard as well. Yeah. Um, but I think like uh, I noticed that it was harder for me, like in the beginning, in the middle, like even though like, I guess the challenge was harder by the end, like, my understanding like it, it rewards your understanding of the combat in a way that i hadn't really experienced before like the final fight with sephiroth which we'll get into uh i felt like it was singing i like it was like a like muscle memory of like switching between characters and like mm -hmm. knowing when to use their abilities is so much fun yeah um, and like it's just such a thrill to do that i imagine i would probably enjoy it on easy as well um, I don't even know. I, I want to plan on it. I, from what I've heard of hard mode, maybe I, I might bounce, but like, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. So wall market. Uh, <laughs> right. Wall market. <laughs> we're back. Uh, yeah. But like, like you said, like this is where they kind of throw more options at you. Um, in the original game, it was uh, basically right away. You went there and it was like, okay, we're here to save Tifa. But uh, Don Corneo only lets like, only lets women who are auditioning to be his bride for the night. Like that's the level of scumbag you're dealing with here. Yeah. Uh, every word in that sentence is like another layer of shit, basically. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. But um, basically Aerith is like, Oh, well, we'll just dress clad up as a girl. And like, that will be the way we get in. And that's like where the original is like a little bit problematic. Like, I don't think it's done in like a truly hateful way, but like at the, at the end of the day, it's played off as a joke. Whereas in this game, it's like truly a celebration. It is like celebratory. That, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. And I, I do um, want to mention before we even get into that. Sure. Um, and, and I mentioned this on the last episode, but I want to mention it again. There's a, there's um, the, the waypoint episode in which they discuss this uh, waypoint, the vice media podcast um, in which they discuss this video game in this part in particular um they mention all of the stories about people who have played the wall market section or played it when they were younger and and that was kind of like an awakening that was kind of like a um a celebratory moment for them even though yeah. the game was portraying it in a, in a kind of negative light like a lot of people played that game in 1997 or around then and like 
kind of felt comforted or or felt better about themselves uh because of it and i think that's incredible Yeah. yeah so like even in the 1997 original release of this game there was a there was a, a positive light to what well, is yeah. a pretty negatively portrayed segment of the video game and in this sure. one in the remake they like really just embrace it fully and and yeah. and i think it's it's an incredible time i had i had so much fun during walmart yeah. in a way that i was like i was so nervous and even when the good stuff was happening i was like okay when's it gonna turn bad and then it didn't and i was thrilled yeah it's it's really it's a heartwarming segment because it's also like even in the original that's supposed to be like this sort of like meet cute of Aerith and cloud oddly enough yeah you know like and and i think i think where a lot of players might have found like like uh they were like seen and understood even in the original is like it's kind of treated as a prize like you have to really work for it Mm -hmm. you've got to do squats at the gym to get the best wig You've got yep. to like do all <laughs> right, this right, stuff right, right. to get like the best dress, the best perfume. Yeah. Um, and, and what I think is nice about the original is that the tailor who puts it all together is like into it. He's like, I haven't done this before. This is awesome. Yeah. You know? And like, that's great. Honestly, what's worse than the original is the honeybee in that shit's heinous, but here, here it's much more, um, it's much more positive while also, I mean, inherently, but it's also like not taking away from the fact that this is like a sketchy setting, you know, like it is it is celebrating the people who are in this kind of, you know, like Shinra hands off place who can be themselves and 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 be lauded for it while also showing the people who are abusing that freedom. Yeah. Um, like Don Corneo. Um, it's it's like uh, uh, Wall Market has been inadvertently liberated in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Like, even though Don Corneo, just one of the worst people in the entirety of the video game, is running the place. Seriously. It seems freeing, strangely, uh, in Walmart. Like, it seems like they're really... Nobody is passing judgment at any point uh, throughout that entire segment. And I I just thought that was really spectacular. Something, I mean, this is just, like, from my own own observations with the game, to take it what you will, but... uh, there there are moments that we'll 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 get to where like they kind of directly comment on like on on that celebration um but honestly one of the things that really worked well for me was uh like in the gym the like lead person who's in charge of the gym who is the final boss in the pull-up competition mm-hmm. is just like wearing lipstick and like is kind of like you know presenting presenting masculine but like has you know like makeup on and no one really addresses it at all it just like is and i think there's a lot of power to that to just have characters who are different just existing and not even pointing it out which i think is like i was really happy to see that um and also to have them be like the final boss in the pull-up contest which like gave me a fucking heart attack like Mm -hmm. it was great yeah um (laughs) i thought that was a really great decision and and i think what we're both commenting on is uh Basically, you have to get the favor of these three characters who are like Don Corneo's like scouting agents who like they're all fine. Honestly, that that whole thing felt like a little bit bloated to me. Like, and that's where I, I started to worry about the pacing a little bit. Mm. Um, I will say overall, I think like the the worries about having Midgar be the whole game, like it, it does truly pay off uh, in many ways. Yeah. And I think 
like you said in the original it feels kind of truncated and here like part part of that story worked for me like i I liked um i liked one of the bodyguards who was later revealed to have like lost someone to the dawn like wants revenge that really worked for me yeah uh but like doing like busy work for chocobo sam was like just a nightmare honestly uh and like uh i mean it was fine. It just like it was sort of like I just wanted to have the plot, and this is maybe speaking from someone who played the original. I just wanted to like get it going, and he's like, you know, I got a thing or two uh, that needs taken care of back in Sector Five. <laughs> you want to find a few nuts and bolts and and whatnots, and uh, tell you what, this city ain't cheap, but uh, but the chocobos will get you where you need to go. Oh my god, this forever anyway. yeah my my main problem with um as much as i i like those three characters the three who are running the place they're fun as, yeah, yeah as yeah. fun as they are and as i don't know like uh what is her name madam is it madam m madam m was great i liked her the best you meet madam um, m she's like a she's a masseuse who's specifically a hand masseuse and you can go in and you you can you can pay for uh, I think three different levels of hand massage, which are just incredible. Um, so that, <laughs> I did the cheapest one. I had no money. Oh my God. Really? Oh, I did the yeah. most expensive one and it, it is, uh, <laughs> it's lewd. I would say it's like onlyfans.com content. It is like, which isn't, which is great. I think that's great to have that this in this video game. Anyway, the, the, so, do you mind if I just say what the cheap one is real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, literally you go in and she's like, okay, this will either feel amazing or terrible. Like, I don't make the rules. Mm-hmm. And then club walks down and he's like, everything hurts. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, well, so you get what you pay for. Anyway, yeah. Uh, uh yeah. imagine the exact opposite and that's the most expensive one. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so, so there's that, um, then you have Chocobo Sam, uh, who runs pretty much like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's the, just the fast travel situation in midgar yeah. um and then there's also uh oh shit what is their name who runs the honeybee in i just forgot their name andrea andrea yeah who, who runs the honeybee yeah. in um i love those three characters i thought that they were great but at the same time i'm having a hard time reconciling that the game wants me to love them with the fact that they are all working for don corneo and they specifically yeah. are working for like the human trafficking part of Don Corneo. Like that is yeah. that is what they oversee and you are trying to curry their favor via bribes to get around the fact that they are only helping you because of that human trafficking element. Um so there there's kind of like a weird dichotomy there where like the game wants you to love them but like I personally can't find that within me. Yeah. Um yeah, I sure. I have a hard time reconciling that. But outside of that like you know that that i think that the game is a little bit confused about those characters to be completely honest um i i found that whole segment to be really great and and nowhere is it more incredible than during the honeybee and uh rhythm game oh dance God. segment yeah just amazing it, i mean like just sitting there and asking myself how cloud learned to dance <laughs> you know like it immediately made uh, me want a FF7 dancing all night spin-off game like immediately. I'm actually uh, upset that I can't do it more. I thought that that was yeah. going to be able to unlock more yeah. a la the Coliseum. I went back to the Honeybee Inn same expecting yes. there to be more and there wasn't. And Cloud goes no and that's it. And it's like, oh man. Yeah, like I wanted a second shot cuz like boy did I I mean I did okay. I got the achievement where Andrea gave me the earrings cuz of how well I danced. Oh great. But like yeah, what happens is like you go there with Aerith, uh, Aerith who has been in, uh, uh, she's in a fancy new dress, mm-hmm. ready to to do this fake audition. 
Um, and it's a really beautiful moment because they, they have Cloud warm up backstage, which introduces you to the sort of rhythm game that's about to happen. And I, I kind of sat there in disbelief. I was like, so excited, but also <laughs> felt this so unreal. Yeah. Because like Cloud has like, at this point in the game, it takes like a village to get Cloud to like smirk. So to get him to dance is, is seemingly yeah. impossible. But just like, you know, the music, <laughs> it's like, it's like another game just starts. Uh, and, and you can warm up. I did twice. Cause like the first time everyone was like, Oh, great job. I guess I, like, <laughs> I need, I need more time. Um, once you're warmed up, you go and dance with Andrea and it's like just incredible. It's like, again, it's, it, it's, it's, it's inherently, it, it, it's, it's a larger than life moment. So like, it is funny and just like how surprising it is. But like once you, once you like, you get so swept up in it that it's just great. Like you're with Aerith and the crowd who's just like cheering. Like, like this is incredible. This is yeah. such good content. Uh, and then at the end of the dance, um, uh, Cloud is made over and, 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 and put in different clothing. And Andreas is something where he's, he's like, uh, you know, like, Basically says, like, don't be, I forgot the exact quote, but he's like, you know, uh, beauty is something beyond gender. Like, don't be afraid. Yes. And that's how it ends. And it's like, that's great. Like, I don't think I've ever heard or seen a video. Like, we talk all the time about video games that we really love that, like, I feel like we, we often talk about, like, old RPGs or even new RPGs that just, like, have, have just, like, noticeable biases or blind spots. And, like, obviously, like, you and I are not the ones to point this out and, and I'm sure we have our own as well, but I think to have a game, uh, especially a remake and, and where the original, like kind of missed the mark on this to have them kind of course correct in this kind of genuine way that like makes sense with the plot and like means something. It was nice to see, you know I mean? Again, like I, I would love to see more people's opinions on this moment. Cause like, um, I've also read some articles where people are like, okay, it's like, it's nice, but it's, it doesn't deserve like praise or anything. But like in, in terms of the story and in terms of the treatment of the subject matter, I think they did a good job with it in the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, as we mentioned last week and we'll mention again, like, I don't know if you and I are the people to like stamp the definitive, like yeah. this did great. But as far as my own sensibilities go, I walked away from it more positive than I was expecting to be. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so that happens. Uh, you're ready to infiltrate the Corneo hideout or his HQ, whatever it is. Um, and there's some changes here too, that I, that I appreciated. Um, in the original game, it was like, uh, depending on what you did, if you get all, if you got all the uh, best items, Corneo would choose Cloud, and you would just wait there as he asked you like really creepy questions, mm-hmm. and then then Aerith and Tifa would show up to save you. Um, but most of the time, he would choose Aerith or Tifa, and then Cloud would have to fight off uh, Corneo's henchmen and then make his way over there. Um, and this game, I think by default, Corneo chooses Cloud. Uh, and then you actually get to play as Tifa and Aerith just like kicking ass in the other rooms and then joining up with them, which is awesome. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool moment. And I, I have to say, I really, I really value that um, while there is a, very much a love triangle happening here, the game never pits Tifa and Aerith against each other, which I think is a big 
pitfall for a lot of writers if anything it's they become yeah they become closer than than yeah. either of them do with cloud honestly <laughs> yeah yeah and, which and i love the original did that too honestly but I, I that that friendship is really on full display here and i really cherished that like i mean the whole ensemble gets super close but like i thought that that was like a a a pitfall um that that a lot of writers fall into and and they they totally handled that friendship properly but you then uh Tif and Aerith go to cloud and and rescue him and uh that scene oddly enough as much as they've changed in and like handled with care uh that confrontation with Corneo is one to one that is exactly the dialogue in the original game where they're like if you don't tell me I'll rip him off or I'll smash him like I actually love that segment yeah uh, it's just a great like paced scene it almost feels like the characters know how great that scene is and are like enjoying it themselves, especially Tifa. Yeah. Cause like, like it, it just, it's just so good. <laughs> um, uh, but that's where Corneo reveals that he is, uh, he reveals the, the plate destruction plans of Shinra. And then you fall in the sewers and fight his like job of the hut monster. Uh, yeah. Which like just continuing. It's weird when this game feels like a ps2 game that has been up you know what i mean and like the sewers uh, point both times you go in the sewers it feels like a ps2 game like that oh really you didn't like it i i didn't i wasn't like over the moon about it i didn't think it was yeah. very compelling the thing that was compelling about it was the friendship between tifa and Aerith. i thought that that yeah. that's yeah. really where they like dig into it is is during the like just kind of idle dialogue that happens while you're traversing the sewers cloud's not saying shit but tifa and Aerith yeah. are like hamming it up in the back behind you the yeah. whole time and that was incredible but just in terms of like actual gameplay like making your way through it i was like just make this a cutscene. just allow me to enjoy these two hanging out behind me um, I don't I don't need to be doing this. And, and it's one of those moments that feels like. Um, what was that in the original game? The, the whole sewer segment? Yeah, but it's like very short. Yeah, it's, it, it's that's like, exactly yeah, the thing yeah. that that's kind like of you pretty much get right to the train graveyard like a few moments after the sewer. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing that I felt about the collapsed expressway, which I talked about last week, which is like. Just because the thing was in the original game doesn't mean it needs to be in the new one. And with the Collapse Expressway and the sewers specifically, they took a thing that I didn't like about the original and made it like five to eight times as long as it was um, yeah, and, and yeah. didn't really fix it. Um, so, the, so the sewers, I kind of feel that way about. I think that the saving grace of the Tifa and Aerith thing, the, the Collapse Expressway, I think is still just like kind of a blight on the whole thing. Uh, personally, as much as I, you know, again, just want to say again, love the video game. Um, I, I didn't really like that segment very much. Uh, the sewers, you I kind of feel the same graveyard way. Graveyard or what? I mean, the collapse. The train graveyard is the third one. I think kind of like <laughs> stumbles on its face a little bit. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a fun boss fight in there. There's some interesting stuff that's going on, but because they don't use that as a, you know, I guess to talk about the train graveyard now, because. They don't use that as a as a vehicle to explain what's happening. They just use it to enhance, quote unquote, enhance the mystery of the thing. It makes the whole thing fall flat for me. If if that had ended with a, a narrative resolution or some kind of reveal or or something that would pay off the mystery of the ghosts that kept appearing, the Dementors, as we called them in the last episode, like... If if that had happened, I would have felt a little bit better about it, but it kind of just ended with a boss fight and like more questions 
Um, which I, I think is kind of my my problem there because I, I was already at the point where like I wanted more answers about the ghosts. And if you're going to devote an entire segment to the ghosts, I expect some kind of answer. Uh, yeah, at the end I of guess it. I, I totally see what you mean. I, I think that, that the, the sewers and the train ga- graveyard combined was a little long. Yeah. Um, I think that what happens, like you said, in both segments, like in the sewers and even in the train graveyard, like Aerith and Tifa's blossoming friendship is great. I also really appreciate it at the end of the sewers. Like um, Tifa's like, hey, Cloud, you stay here. Aerith and I have to do something. Yes. And I was I was really worried there was going to be like some fake scene where they like talk about Cloud. But instead, they just like pump an old like <laughs> it's like a mini game where they pump like an old like sewer pipe thing. It's it's just so, I don't know why it, like it warmed my heart. But I'm like, I this is like the visual fruition of this friendship of them just like fixing this old shit yeah together. i love that segment i love yeah. when they're like cloud just, just stay here yeah yeah we yeah. don't need I you do, i just <laughs> i didn't want their scene together to be about cloud and it so wasn't yeah it wasn't about anything except for them just pumping a thing. Mm-hmm. it was just it was so bizarre but like even outside of that like them like we said them 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 uh so immediately hitting it off was great because uh, I think they both addressed like, oh, this is the other person I've heard about. Like, so what's going on? Oh, you haven't made a decision. OK, well, we're just going to hang out. Then. Yeah, because <laughs> like we're we're not wasting our time <laughs> with you. Uh, um, and I think the 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 ghost stuff was like that worked for me, I think, because it just uh, more directly foreshadowed Aerith's involvement in like hearing the voices of the planet and being able to communicate with things kind of more supernatural. Um, I also really liked those two boss fights. I, I, I've talked to some friends who really didn't like the big ghost boss that like alternates between taking physical or magical damage. Mm-hmm. It was fine for me. Um, I also think that was just like, that was the moment where the game was like really finding its footing for me, oddly enough, even though like, I think it was like in the general framework of like kind of an uncharted one sort of navigation yeah uh, yeah, yeah i think yeah. what what was happening and 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 what was happening in the battles i think was what was working for me and i'm 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 i think we'll probably feel the same way about this once you get past the train graveyard is chapter 13 which is the destruction of the plate and I, i'm pretty i would confidently say at this point chapter 13 on is just like it's like you know we talked about the the first part of the game being like opening so strong kind of losing its footing a bit then bouncing back and then i think like 13 and on is just like uh, gets better and better pretty much yeah um, yeah i totally agree so chapter 13 is the destruction of the midgard play this is this is probably for me at least the moment that i was kind of waiting for in a way mm. like uh this is this is sort of the uh this is the moment in the original game playing it as a kid that like really like raise the dramatic weight of what was happening yeah um you know because e- even in the original even though like biggs wedge and jesse aren't as fleshed out as they are here um which i think pays off especially in this moment uh you know it's a really sad scene like e- even with the even with the polygons things and everything it's like really brutal it's probably one of the more like personal i mean aside from one which i think we'll talk about later that you uh, save that for later. In uh, up until that moment in the game, it is the most personal loss. It is the most personal s- tragedy you're witnessing because, like, you've also kind of had like you've you've had an RPG sense of home with Sector Seven, 
uh you finally have like the full party back together and like and and Shinra is taking like the one thing you found for yourself as a player as well. Uh Yeah. So in the, in the original this this moment always really hit a chord for me. It, it, it's Shinra uh purposely trying to to bomb the pillar so that the plate falls on sector 7 and destroys it. And the people who live there and Avalanche are fighting back and they're just getting creamed. Like especially in the original like you just see Wedge fall and it's like brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was wondering how sad this is going to be in, in the remake. And the answer is very, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it's, it's the moment where I think also uh, Barrett really kind of stole the show. I think like this moment and, and the chapter after, I think that that character, like they really nailed the, the dramatic way because I think what works for me with Barrett is in this remake is that, when tragedy hits, he is uncharacteristically quiet and, and just sad. He's not angry. He's not yelling. He's just... And, and the voice actor nails that. Yeah. The, the, the sadness in his voice and in his eyes is haunting. Um, and and they, give, they give Biggs and Jesse really proper final moments. It's just heartbreaking, especially Jesse, who I think has probably been given the most in this game. Her send off is really brutal and yeah, really rough. I so just a question. Yeah, I think this is one of the really big chapters that will differ in terms of how it's uh, how it's kind of internalized by people who have and have not played the original game. Um, so for <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. without a real, I mean, I, I played through this part of the game, but I don't really remember very well. Did they die in this scene in the original game also? Yeah, they all die. Uh, you, you wedge don't as well, see, right? Yeah, wedge, and that, so that's actually that was the moment. Like when when later on they reveal that wedge survived. I was like, okay, they're changing stuff. Like they're yeah, and and I think the game does a good job, of, and we'll get to it with the ending. But the game does a good job of like sprinkling in things that like the mission of this game might not be to be faithful to the original. In fact, it may be the opposite. Right. Uh, Aerith has some lines where she's like, if I had a chance to do it all... In this chapter, I think she says it. She's like, if I had the chance to do it all over again, I would want to make sure I did it right. Yeah. Uh, and that I had no regrets. And I'm like, I feel like that's the creator speaking about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Wedge is given a moment where he helps... I actually really loved playing as Aerith and going through the slums to save Marvel. Yeah, me too. That that was That was like one of the scenes where i was like ugly crying like, yeah as a person so... <laughs> who who doesn't have that nostalgic rose tinted glasses situation with the original i was also yeah. similarly just weeping during that scene the first time i played through it um really rough i, I had Marlene to play through it too i had to play through that scene twice which was equally brutal i think because uh yeah. i i had to quit halfway through and then my ps4 turned off because of like power save problems so then i had to do it again i had to watch that cutscene a second time and i was also like tearing up again the second time rough really rough yeah um it, i think the the young voice actor they have from marlene is just great too yeah and, and it, the one thing i also criticize this game for is like you have great performances from young actors like marlene and then other kids are are clearly voiced by adults who are going like i'm a kid yeah like, ah. yeah yeah <laughs> it's, but you know it was it was the octopath traveler problem <laughs> exactly um but that seems great and 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 saying from the turks showing up and and Aerith, like 
I think because in the original, you don't get that scene. You just see Aerith on the helicopter and she kind of says like, hey, don't worry, Marlene's safe. Yeah. But like seeing the moment where Aerith is like, I'm going to turn myself in to save this girl is like a really powerful moment. Yeah. Um, And I think that's also the moment where Aerith's character really crystallizes because she is someone who is like so used to danger that that how she's written in the beginning I still I still think it's not as strong as later, but I think it, it makes more sense. Um, yeah. And, and even even with the knowledge of the character that I have, I think like the direction they are taking the character crystallized in the moment and the voice actor does an incredible job. Um, that and then you fight Reno and Rude, who I have a soft spot for. I'll, I'll admit. I mean, I, I really like even though they're literally directly responsible for the pillar's destruction. <laughs> I like how they give Rude a little bit more hesitation mm-hmm. um yeah i like that he is the one member of the turks who is like reno like just doesn't care overall like and that's his like evil is that he's just true neutral yeah um or chaotic neutral but like rude like there's even the moment where he like is about to shoot tifa from the helicopter and he like moves the thing and he's like oh my wrist slipped or something mm-hmm. um the fact too that he always has a backup pair of sunglasses just kills me I, I Un- love an Rude unbelievable character trait for Rude <laughs> is that he's always wearing the sunglasses. Oh my god, I love yeah. it so much. It's such a funny bit every single time. Because they're kind of the team rocket of Shinra. Oh yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're like they're Reno and Rude have always been like even in the original. There's a point where like you go to this town and and the group is like entering this new area and Reno and Rude are there but they don't see the group and Reno's like so Rude who do you like and he's like I don't know Tifa I guess yeah <laughs> like they're just talking about who they have crushes on in Avalanche or in the party <laughs> uh you know so like they but that and that fight is awesome the the Reno rematch with Rude is great um really fun and, yeah and uh and and the the pillar destruction is 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 really that's another moment that's like pretty similar until it isn't. And this is something that I would love to hear your opinion on. And then in the original, what happens is the pillar falls cloud Tifa and Barrett swing, you know, to safety. Um, and then in the original, it cuts to president Shinra kind of watching from the top of Midgar as like a tonal opera plays. Yeah. It's really kind of, uh, it's kind of haunting. Um, and this, and this one, uh, Kate Sith, the uh, uh who i will probably talk more about uh, the cat with a crown uh runs to see it happening and kind of like looks sorrowful and bangs his fist on on the ground so like for me i actually was really excited to see this character because believe it or not that is one of the eight playable party mates uh who was introduced later right i don't think you got up to that point um I did in not. the original game, they don't really set up Kate Sith at all, and its its involvement in the party is kind of confusing. And then its like reveal is also confusing. Uh, in this game, they 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 really do a lot. Uh, do you mind if I spoil like what Kate Sith is for you? Uh, I do, I don't mind, but I do want to just put a note here for people who might mind who are listening. Um. Okay. So yeah, I, I do. I'm very curious because I, I'm okay. wondering if it's going to change my my thoughts on this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So the character, you know how Shinra, so they're the Turks, and then there's like the Shinra board where it's like Scarlet, Heidegger, mm-hmm. uh, all those characters, Palmer, Reeve, who is the head of uh, of uh, like urban planning, I believe. Yep, yep. He's the one member who like objects to what's happening. Yes. He operates Kate Sith, which is a robotic cat. Oh my uh, god, it's a robot that, too. 
Yeah, it is in the original. It is a robotic cat that is operating a robotic Moogle. Um, and it joins your party as a fortune teller that you meet in Gold Saucer, which is the theme park, for no reason. Oh my god, um, okay. And it's later revealed that it's Reeves' way. Originally, he was a Shinra spy, but uh, eventually it's revealed that it was Reeves' way of like trying to help Cloud and the group mm-hmm. without Shinra knowing. Um, so I think them showing that character <laughs> in that moment... <laughs> is them trying to set up and they show a lot more of Reeve as well. So I think it's going to like have Reeve set up more strongly to when he does join the party. It actually makes sense. Um, Interesting. That's, that's, it's still such a bizarre character that like it's, it's hard to swallow, but that's why it was there. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know that, it's just the cat that shows up. Yeah. So th- that's the thing that I was going to mention. And, and this is kind of one of the biggest bummers of, of the game, I think. Um, for people who haven't played the original or don't know it as well. Um, so like for me, who's only played the first, you know, third of the original, um, that moment you to me and, and the way that, I described yeah. it in, in the discord, at least was you watch wedge one of the, one of the like kind of most lovable, uh, kind of infallible members of avalanche die a brutal death while holding his cats who he's trying to save, uh, as the plate collapses on top of him. You cut from there to a, a cereal box cartoon character <laughs> slamming his fists on the asphalt because he's upset about it. Uh, yeah. It's a cat wearing a crown with a small red cape, and it is so confusing. And it was like, I was so moved and and mortified and and just every every emotion I could feel simultaneously about the collapsing of that plate. Um, yeah, because I what occurred to me while that cutscene was happening was not only like, Oh my God, sector seven is gone. All those people are, 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 are dead. Probably, uh, you know, at at least the people who couldn't escape, but there's an entire sector on top of that plate. Also, that's gone now. Like that's two sectors that have been completely annihilated by Shinra just to take out three to four people. Which is absolutely horrifying in every single way. It is maybe one of the most harrowing, harrowing plot points I've experienced in a video game. Like most games would not take you to that point. I thought that no. the I thought that the opening when you blow up the Mako reactor and Shinra makes it a, a larger explosion and it fucks up that sector that you're walking through. I thought that that was pretty brutal. This is on a completely different level for someone who hasn't played the original game, of which there will be many honestly because the game is being sure. the game is being touted at least on its box art as like hey if you haven't played the original this is your end point like this is your way to do it now like don't play the original play this like potentially they're not actually saying that but that is i think i mean there's like mountain dew and butterfinger promos happening exactly so like there yeah, are there are going to yeah. be a lot of new people being introduced to not only the story of final fantasy 7 but maybe the entirety of final fantasy as a franchise via this game they're going to watch this absolutely horrific event take place and it's suddenly going to cut to a cat they've never seen before wearing a crown and a cape who looks sad. Um, and and, <laughs> and one, of, one of the things I really wanted to, to drive home is like up until this point in the game, you haven't seen many creatures uh, exhibiting exhibiting like this kind of human agency and emotion, right? Like yeah, the only yeah, creatures yeah. you've really seen are 
enemies per se, but like even even Moogles don't exist, right? There's a kid dresses a Moogle instead of actual Moogles up until this point. So this is the first time you're seeing like a a, a strange creature exhibit like some kind of like really yeah. strong emotion. Um, e- even materia is sold in like a weird Second Amendment way. Yes, like a lot of the materia shop owners are like this is your you know right to defend yourself. Like everything is kind of in the lens of a modern society yeah. or like modern issues. Yeah. Um, I totally get it, man. I, I also think case is inherently a confusing character. Like there's so many, uh, the phrase hat on top of a hat is like the most apt thing. Cause like <laughs> not only is it a robotic cat who is in the original, it's a robotic cat speaking through a megaphone to order a giant stuffed Moogle. It is riding as like a, right. Uh, yeah. A vehicle. Um, it is also controlled by Reeve, but it's not ever clear if like it is just Reeve's personality or if it has its own personality. Mm. What they were going for, I think, is there. There's a lot of of uh, especially in the original. Uh, there are a lot of characters who are who are grappling with like what their intended existence is and how they see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the idea of like uh, being created for one sole purpose versus what your actual what your actions are doing on this on this earth yeah uh, as well as like being controlled by a more powerful force like even in the remake it is clear that sephiroth has some type of control over cloud uh at the very least yeah. with what he just sees in his head um so i think that's what they were going for but like it's just so weird like that is the one character in the cast that like i don't think it's a hot take to say is like this doesn't stick the landing uh everyone else is like incredible uh but kate seth is and it's weird because like I want to love Kate Sith and this is nothing. It's just too, uh, it's just too <laughs> yeah. much. Um, but I am very excited to see how they'll play in this game. And I think that like, if there's a way to do them, it is to set up Reeve more prominently, which they have done, and I think done really well. I like the scenes with Reeve yeah. quite a bit. Um, and I like, I think it adds to, to Shinra's malice to see that there are people high up and people below. Who do have some type of of conscience, or excuse me, have some type of like moral caliber to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it it makes it like a more believable and and more tragic when like they're powerless to stop this stuff. Yeah, um, like you know, there's the scene. I mean, this is cutting ahead a bit, but Reeve is like, I have the plan. You see him like up all night drafting the the plan to rebuild Tetris Seven. Like we're not gonna even bother. And that was in the original game too. They're like, yeah. we're not going to, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it is like it could have been that the. <laughs> I think what w- would have been more powerful is rather than having Kate Sith run out and react to the plate falling, the show Reeve reacting to it, mm-hmm. you know, and that way, like you can introduce Kate Sith later, and and the reveal of Reeve being the puppet master would be, would would add more to that. They probably just didn't want to give that away, but you know, whatever. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a drawing moment for sure. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. That that's not to say that that whole segment isn't effective because what happens after that? I think the next chapter uh, has you and Tifa and Barrett like working your way through the rubble of Sector Seven. Yeah, which you go back to Aerith's mother's house, Almira. Right to to find yeah. to fi- yeah um which which is to find Marlene, which is like equally harrowing, equally brutal um. Just like Barrett steals the show during those scenes. Oh my because god! Yeah, the emotion on display there is, I, I, I think, incredible. 
yeah I, w- I was blown away by that whole segment i thought it was really really brutal um and effective and and it it's your kind of first sign that cloud is breaking out of his shell for real for real and is yes. and is less of a i'm doing this for the money and more of a i'm doing this because i care about it uh kind yeah. of guy which i think is is really strong um yeah it, it's it's a great segment and that leads you to chapter 14 which is like finally when you have your like okay get all your affairs in order do every single side quest we have for you because after this you're not coming back here um and it's also when they open up everything that is left of the slums of midgar for you to explore at that point yeah but just before that like that was the the whole chapter with barrett finding marlene at almira's house and then almira telling the story of her finding Aerith. Uh, oh my god yeah that that was ugly crying steven like snot like just coming out of my face like (laughs) sobbing uh and that was the moment where i realized this game was like was truly something miraculous because that that's also that whole amira flashback is a one-to-one scene like that is straight up from the original uh and and i think that that captures the part of Aerith that i've always really liked is that like She's a weird kid. Like she kind of talks to herself. Mm-hmm. She hears voices, but she's like very chatty, but like kind of like in her own world. Um and and Almira is like also one of my favorite vocal performances. Like you just know her deal right away. Like when you first meet her and she's like, I want you to leave the house tonight. Like I just can't. Like yeah. uh she she's such a believable human character and like the 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 decision I think what really got to me is like the group and you know it's it's this sort of like stages of the hero's journey but like the group deciding they're all going to save Aerith and that's the priority and Almira agreeing to that was like so beautiful and Barrett explaining to Marlene what's going to happen and Barrett being like she's tougher than me she's got this yeah oh like, my god oh it's so, so good. good yeah it was amazing it was incredible uh, and and speaking on you saying cloud breaking out of the shell, I think the the tentpole moment of that, or the not tentpole, the 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 really like the visual moment of cloud breaking out of his old edge lord habits is like that night. Tifa's out in the in the oh, garden. Near what the a house. good scene! Yeah, yeah, and she's like she's just sobbing, and she's like they took everything from us again, like. I don't even know what to say. Like, this isn't. Yeah, it's one of the situations where where she and the rest of the party are like, I we didn't even know that we had more to lose. Like, yeah, we didn't even realize that there was still stuff that we were taking for granted. And now even that's gone. Yeah, is rough. Yeah, it's brutal. And and seeing Cloud like finally able to just like give his friend a hug when she needs it. You know, it's it's and and that's the the game is full of really tender moments of just characters like physically helping each other like so every character has lifted the other one up in some way um you know and 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 i think that that's like that is that is on full display here in a way that that i really really appreciate um that is i think one of my favorite moments in the game but yeah like you said chapter 14 is where it opens up and is like are you sure you don't want to do a few more squats before you go to hq Mm -hmm. um and you know it, it's nice. I did a lot more Coliseum stuff. I I, I did uh, Don Corneo's secret stash. Don't worry, I got it. Um, yeah, man, what a quest! Oh my <laughs> god, it took so long. Yeah, um, and like even the side quests that are kind of filler, like I enjoy because like I I like the characters and I like um, 
a, like the core game. I, I I think there was in retrospect there was definitely a better way to handle a lot of that because I feel like yeah. it it just it just weird that like all the side quests are are delivered in a way where it's like here's your one and only chance to do all of them like that's always kind of the delivery of them which is kind of bizarre it is really strange um, yeah sorry I was just thinking about the the angel of the slums thing <laughs> which is like the least surprising reveal of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. I think who I don't even know which character, but it's like, wait, you're the angel. It's like she basically wears like a name tag, like, "Hi, I'm the angel." Of the yeah, songs. from the first time you like, meet her, yeah. she's just like, "Oh, here's a character we're introducing." Immediately, as soon as you learn who the angel of the slums is or is all about, it's like, oh my god, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, it's weird because I did spend like two and a half to three hours on chapter fourteen, like doing every single side quest that was available to me, and I really don't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't like, know. I don't, they're they're enjoyable enough. It just like, and it and it's not even like that's not because I think a lot of people were worried that that was going to be like how they made Midgar thirty hour game was mm-hmm. like just adding a lot of fluff and like that stuff collectively takes like three hours, yeah, and it's like completely optional. Um, and it's weird because I think the, the mini game stuff and the side content, like the, the Chadley quests and the Coliseum are, are, are wonderful. And like, I think I enjoyed, I think the most I enjoyed the side quests, oddly enough, was in sector seven. Cause like, that's when Tifa's first added to the party. And like a lot of the side quests are more under the veil of like Tifa being like, Hey cloud, there's a whole world that needs your help. Wouldn't it be great to think about literally anyone else but yourself? Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, exactly. Yes. But eventually, it, it, I just think like that that is I, I, this is a common critique, but I think objectively the weakest part of the game are, are the side quests, even though there's like, again, there's like 20 of them and they're pretty like enjoyable to do and it doesn't get in the way of the game. But I think like I think up until the point we recorded last episode, I was worried. I'm like, is, is the whole game going to be like great story moment go to a new slum that is tony hawk-esque in its fidelity <laughs> and do like eight side quests right, right that's right. not like what i'm looking for really yeah and it totally isn't it just like for like a, a few chapters that's what it feels like it's going to be mm-hmm. um but pretty much after 14 you you scale the wall uh to get to the shinra hq i love the way they did this because in the in the original game, it's kind of like a weird, like it's it, it's got charm to it, and like you climb a bunch of like broken wires, and there's graffiti everywhere, and there's like some some strange platforming to do. But here, it's just like one of the most beautiful scenes in the game. It's like a it's like a pink sunset. Uh, yeah, and, it's and, it's this really it's this dichotomy between like the beauty of the sunset and nature uh contrasted against the destruction of sector seven and the plate above it um it's horrifying in how beautiful it is and the characters comment on it throughout the entirety of that chapter yeah i think it's i think it's really a, a strong visual motif throughout the entirety of that of that segment and and oddly enough, like this is uh the we commented last time of the one mission where you're high above the slums, but you're still under the plate, and the slums beneath you are kind of like a weirdly skewed JPEG that's like kind of noticeable. Yeah, Here, this is like incredible beautiful, comparatively. Beautiful. Yeah. And and still oddly retained. Like I, I think I think I, I've heard some people say that like, oh, the skybox was like a reference to the pre-rendered backgrounds of the original. I don't know if I agree. That being said, in this moment, 
it feels like that, but in a good way. Like it feels like everything is so stylized and like well lit and like when the whole game is well lit, like the 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 choreography of like everything on the screen, I guess the mise en scène, if you will, mm-hmm. uh is like incredible. I just didn't I really just didn't want to say that. I was like, that's going to work. Um it's 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 incredible. It's so intentional, even in the moments where the textures don't load. But here, like it, it's just like a compelling moment. It really feels like it's given the dramatic weight it deserves. I enjoyed that whole segment so much. Yeah. Um, and reaching HQ, uh, Shinra HQ is just like start to finish, the fucking best. Like it is so like it is simultaneously like a combination of everything I think a fan of the original would want to see. Um, mm-hmm. between like Red Thirteen showing up and just being immediately the best. Uh, yeah, the, to- the entirety of the segment in in Shinra HQ. The thing that I kept thinking about was, um, this is Avengers Endgame. Like this, this is <laughs> this is Captain America picking up Mjolnir. This is uh, this is all the portals opening up and everybody who died in Infinity War coming back like those those videos that just went viral recently of like crowds in movie theaters reacting to those moments and just like cheering out loud. Like I don't have again just to drive it home. I don't have the I don't have the nostalgia for this game that you do. I still found myself yelling yes multiple times throughout the entirety of this segment just because of the things that were happening just because of like oh my god cloud showed up in the motorcycle i can't believe that this is actually happening or like when i walked by the motorcycle for the first time or when red 13 showed up um i i found myself like floored by how much i was connecting to this chapter emotionally um and i think a lot of that is because of the uh the the mise-en-scene as it were um but like <laughs> i retire i give up i'm sorry i said, I said mise-en-scene unprompted unironically i'm sorry okay uh i i just i just think it's it's so it's so well realized that like if you were to if you were to come up to me and say like what is the one chapter that really shows why final fantasy 7 remake should exist it's this chapter um this this is the point to me and and besides the avengers endgame comparison the other thing that i would compare this to is like this is when it turns into john wick where like once it once (laughs) it starts it doesn't stop until the game is over like once you start with shinra hq like that's it until you're done Um, so yeah there's some stuff i i I don't want to go through all of it because i want to pick up the pace a little bit but there's um I mean, this is one of my favorite points of the original game too. Like, I loved the, I loved the the uh, slow boil of the Shinra HQ, where like in the original you have the choice of like either bursting through the front doors or climbing up all the steps. I what did you love, do for this game? Oh, I did the steps. I did the me steps. too. I Absolutely. also did the stairs. I, mean, I did that, the stairs like, the first time too, as a uh, when I played the original, not realizing that like it was an actual like goofy choice. Yeah. Um, so then in this one, knowing what happened in the original, I was like, I have to do it again in the remake. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's, it, I love how they say it's not a race, but they also keep track of who's in first. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, incredible, incredible. Like that, that's the something that like I wanted to see from the original. And like, and I think that's the thing that they really nailed is like as, as dark and harrowing as the original is and never, it, it does have a lot of humor to it. Mm-hmm. it. It never takes itself too seriously and and they really nailed that in the remake as well 
because I think that's some, that's something that I, I've read interviews with the creators where they're like, we wanted to find the balance like in the character design specifically of between like, you know, photorealistic and stylized. Mm-hmm. So like, they still kept the sort of exaggerated features, some of the characters. And I think that it also lends itself to the, the tone of the game. If everyone looked super, if it was too realistic, it would lose that like kind of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. No, it totally um, does. Yeah. But uh, the, the slow boil of like in the original, like all the, you know, you only have a key card for certain floors and all the early floors are like, you know, entry level mid tier workers. Like they're just people who like are there for a paycheck, you know? And mm-hmm. like, you know, there's not really a lot of security and there's like some fun mini games. I love how they treated the mayor in this one. where like, He's secretly an avalanche. Uh, in the original game, he's just like a bored dude. He's like, I don't know. No one gives me any respect here. Like, I'll help you out. Sure, why yeah, not? Yeah, he's the mayor of Midgar, um, but that really just makes him a mouthpiece for Shinra, and he, like, hates that. He's like, oh, yeah. I've just been given this, like, figurehead position without any power. This sucks. In this game, making him a, an inside man for Avalanche totally makes sense and rules. Um, and that's also Because it, 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 asks the, it, it answers the big question of, like, and this is the thing I kept thinking about as I was making my way through Shinra HQ in the beginning before I met him was like, they have to know this is all a trap. Like every, like president, like the president of Shinra and everybody involved has to know that I'm here. It doesn't make yeah. any sense that I'm not completely annihilated by Shinra guards right now. Um, which was the question in the original game that kind of goes unanswered and is the question in this game that does go answered. And it's one of those situations where like, them taking everything every single thing that happens in the original game and expanding on it actually works in ways yeah. that it doesn't in some other moments um, and they also yeah they truncate some stuff that like you know they don't add like i think oddly enough shinra hq like all the environment puzzles and stuff like work really well it doesn't yeah. feel as as like kind of archaic as some of the earlier moments do um but the standout moment to me was like you go through like the museum of shinra and you see, like, you know, it's like a really corny kind of propaganda piece. And then it's like, I think the first, like, full fidelity cutscene in the game is, like, Shinra giving this virtual tour of, like, what their mission is with Midgar and what Mako is and what the Promised Land is. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is so beautiful but haunting because, like, you can almost see the propaganda working on the characters in moments where, yeah. like... It is so, and and it is also a great way to kind of explain like what Shinra is trying to do. Uh, I think better than the original does. I I think that um, it's a really brilliant moment, and and from there, uh, you eventually you meet up with Chadley again, my favorite, uh, and you have like a last chance to do like simulation stuff, which I appreciated. So it, it, it retained that sense of the original. The earlier f- levels are less risk. Um, but then, of course, you get to the the level with Hojo and where Aerith is being kept captive. And that point on, like you said, it's this, it's end game. It's like so exciting and so riveting. Every boss battle is great. And unless you have anything to speak on in that moment, I kind of want to speak to a later moment in this chapter where like they really start to go in their own direction. No, go for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, my God. So there's a segment, uh, the whole game, they've been alluding to these Dementors, like what, you know, what, what's going on with this thing. Yeah. So I'm like, as someone who played the original game, I notice that they often show up like in critical moments of the story and they'll prevent or help characters 
do certain things despite what the character wants to happen. Yeah. So I, I think the game does a pretty good job, and we'll talk about them more later because that's like kind of what the ending focuses on. But um, uh, honestly, a standout moment of the original is like you make it up to Shinra HQ, and then like you go to where the president is, and there's just a sword in his back, and he's dead. Um, yeah, there's blood what, all over the place. It's like brutal. Yeah. yeah. And and Sephiroth just like killed the president in in his path, and like. No better way to just suddenly replace who the main villain is by just like seeing that the new villain has killed the person you were like excited to fight yeah. in passing. Right. Um, I like that moment a lot. I think what they do here is different, but like, oh my God, Brendan. So <laughs> you get to the president Shinra and there's a really great scene, honestly, between him and Barrett because you go to the room. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And you hear like, help me, help me. And president Shinra is like hanging on to the ledge. Uh, he's been thrown out a window which i think is important like he's been thrown out a window and he is hanging on literally for dear life over the side of the top of shinra hq yeah and 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 the party gets there and barrett looks at this and it's like if there's any moment that barrett has been waiting for his whole life it's this yeah the president (laughs) the president of shinra is hanging on the top of midgar begging for his life yeah and it's played out so realistically because barrett is like is is a good guy despite you know how how you know like he can come off more renegade in terms of like his kind of ends justify the means persona in the earlier game where i think in a lot of the more morally gray elements of what avalanche is doing he often will make excuses or he'll often like kind of say oh it's all worth it to save the planet but here he has an opportunity to just kill this guy if he wants to right um and he struggles with it as he should like he I mean, he wants you real badly, but he also just wants to hold him in his in his grasp. And like, yeah, there's there's a really great scene where he's just like, you know, he kind of tosses him and catches him again. And like, he basically says, like, all right, he throws him back and is like, you're going to go on the air and tell everyone all the lies you've said, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, And the president kind of scurries and then, and then he gets a gun and kind of retorts to Barry. He's like. So that's what you value more than anything is to clear your name. Like what happened to your values and all this. Uh, And, and like, it's a really great moment. Um, And I was wondering what was going to happen because like, normally this is the part where you walk in and he's dead. Um, So of course, as he's about to pull the trigger on Barrett, a sword goes through his chest and it's Sephiroth. Yeah. Uh, And then Sephiroth stabs Barrett and Barrett collapses. I lost and, my mind. I had, I had <laughs> yeah. an out of body experience. Yeah, I, I, I literally, yeah. oh my god! Like, I, I hand over my mouth. Every hair in my body stood up, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like, I mean, here's the here's the deal. And this has been spoiled for you already. Uh, a, a lot of long time listeners will know that Brendan uh, did not know how disc one ends in the original game. You found out that in the original, Sephiroth kills Aerith. Right. Um, and. I bring that up in this moment because in the original game, I mean, talk about like what games, how plots were progressing in a game. When Aerith dies in that game, it's not done in a way that like, you know, because I think a lot of times in, in a lot of, uh, you know, games or, or, or any media, like when a, when a major character dies, it is like at the end that like propels some final scene in some way. Right. Right. Um, but I, to, to FF7's credit, 
Aerith's death is just harrowing. It's just this weight that lingers with you the whole game. It, it happens so early, and, and it, you feel so robbed um, that, that it just sets the standard of, like, A, what an awful villain Sephiroth is, and B, like, what you have to lose. Like you said earlier, it's like, you know, you you don't know that more can be taken from you. And and um, it, it's a really powerful moment. I mean, in 1997, it was like unthinkable, I think. I mean, to be fair, uh, Final Fantasy IV, pretty much that whole cla- cast, like, I mean, should I spoil FF4? Whatever. Uh, a lot of characters die in that game, too. But like, <laughs> no character that you've spent so much valuable time with, like Aerith, and then to have her go that way is heartbreaking yeah it's it's one of the like that is the i'm your father moment of ff7 where like people i mean that was spoiled for me as a set as a nine-year-old playing the game uh i knew that was going to happen mm-hmm. and i still dreaded it <laughs> so to have sephiroth just kill barrett i was like oh my god are they committing to this like is this because they they planted seeds that were like earlier wedge had survived the crash and i'm like okay that's a little different so like yeah not ev- not everything is going to play out the same way and then they and then Barrett got stabbed like in the chest by Sephiroth and then it cuts right to uh a a boss that's like it's like Genova like dreams of vengeance or something like the boss name implies that like this is a like not real thing but like that was one of my favorite fights in the game it it was so i've never been filled with more with more pure hatred an enemy than in that moment yeah like i mean it, it felt like how i felt in the original game because that's what happens is sephiroth kills Aerith, and then you fight a version of Genova, and like and it, it felt similar to this but i was like I, I was just in disbelief and i was relieved after the fight that he came back to life and it was revealed like one of the dementors was like uh red 13 had learned through Aerith. This is why I didn't want to start with the ending because I sound like I'm stopping you on the street with my fan theory. Yeah, Red Thirteen. No, this hurt, is fine. Yeah, Red Thirteen heard through Aerith that Red Thirteen is a character that kind of names what the Dementors are. They're called the Whispers, and they're a weird force of the planet that like makes sure things proceed as destiny intends for them. I just want to mention I was frighteningly close to uh, guessing exactly what was happening here. Yeah, they they honestly foreshadow it in a way, at least at least like in the context of like having played the original and having been told that the ending is divisive. I was like picking up what they were putting down through most of this game. Yeah. And in that moment, Barrett comes back to life and one of the Dementors is next to him and Red 13 is like, it wasn't your time yet. Right. Uh, you know, this this death wasn't yours to receive, um, which is a relief. And and like. There is part of me that wonders, I'm like, if they wanted to commit to that, like, how powerful that would be. That being said, Barrett has such a, like, that character has so many more great moments that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, I, I think it would have, it would have been, it would have been powerful in the moment, but not a great idea in the long run to kill any major character this early on in the remake. Yeah. But I think what that scene did was it it showed loud and clear that they don't, they are not beholden to the original. Uh, and and that, that is the first like major 
stone set and the foundation of, of that theme as the ending progresses. Yeah, it's it's both a deviation from the original in in a really major way and also a commentary on their own deviation, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, oh we could do this at any moment, but we're not going to. And and the way and, the way the game ends then opens them up to do something like this again and have it actually stick, which I think is Yeah. brilliant, but we it's we can brilliant. get there, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get there, but like I think like you fear you guess this that the that the dementors or the the whisperers is sort of like it's it's the main game. It's the original game. It's, it's the pressure to be beholden to the source material. It's literally it's literally the the personification of the purists who want a one to one remake of the original game. Like it is it is Square Enix looking at those people and saying we're going to put them in the video game and show you how <laughs> how much of a bummer it would be if we literally just remade this one to one. I think that's true, but I also think I think it's just the pressure itself because I think like well, yes, that is a huge factor of like the the uh, parts of the fandom wanting that. I think like to be ta- I mean, think about this. Like there are a lot of people who are working on this game that made the original game two decades ago. Yeah, and who probably don't want to just go through the motions. You know what I mean? Totally. Like they, yeah. If they're going to revisit this story, they want to do so in a way that actually means something to them, you know? And, and, and I think the, for me, what really sealed the deal with this theme that is later uh, manifested is, is Aerith saying, if I'm going to look back on this, I want to make sure I did it right. That I, you know, leave with no regrets. Totally. That I did it right this time. So from then on, uh, you, you go out and you fight Rufus. It was a fun boss fight, uh, very similar to the original. Uh, I did miss the speech. In the original, Rufus has this speech where he's like, my father ruled with money, I rule with fear. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. I it's great. Uh, but, you know, they, the ending in this game is has a different objective, so he is fine. He, he does the Rufus thing. Um, <laughs> and the finale with, like, Cloud on the motorcycle and the group getting in the car is incredible. It's incredible. It's, it's, that is the moment that, like, I think if anyone played the original and was excited for the remake... They were waiting for that moment to happen. Yes. Because that is the moment in the original where like they they use all the fidelity they have in the cutscene to show what's happening. And I, I did enjoy the motorcycle segment. It's ironic because if there's any moment for our friend Roche to show back up, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's now. I thought it was going to happen and I and, am amazed. And, and that would have been fun. Like I was actually, I was okay, like is Roche going to come back for a rematch? Nah. Okay, dude, this is like you're like, it's so it's so bizarre that he doesn't. Um, that moment was fun. It was honestly, that was a moment that like I was so in. Uh, but the boss fight on the bike just felt a little long to me. That like one of the game overs I had. I'm like, mm-hmm. it is. I think it overstayed its welcome a little bit. Um, but like so in uh, beyond in at that point. Um <laughs> And then you reach the end of the highway. Now, this is where I think the game, like, just became, like, otherworldly to me. Because, uh, I, honestly, I was really nervous about the ending. I, I had been told early on the ending was divided, that it was different than, than what, how the original ends. Um, and, like, that was kind of, like, I almost considered even spoiling it for myself just to, like, not have that dread. Mentally prepare yourself, it. yeah. Um, but I didn't. Because, uh, you know, I was like, okay, like, it doesn't seem to be, like, that divisive like i have enough a number of friends who have beat it and they all seem pretty happy like i'm just gonna i really want to go through myself with it and in the original game the end of the highway 
so visually, you know, metaphorical is like Midgar's done. Like now is when your expectations are twisted. Because uh, if you're playing FF7 for the first time, even though, yes, Midgar is only f- five to eight hours, you are led to believe that that is going to be the whole setting for the whole game. Yeah. Like, right, right, there right. is no, uh, there is someone in the tutorial area who goes like, who hints at a world map, but like, you don't even know what that means. Like, you're just, ah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm a Midgar forever. This is my life. Uh, it's like people who live there, they, they only know Midgar. So when you reach the edge of the highway, and you and your party leave Midgar, and, and there's a world map, and, and suddenly the game opens up. It's, it's, it's amazing. It, that, that's still one of my favorite moments of playing the original, is, like, it is, is literally going off the rails. Um, so what does that look like in the remake? If they, did that, if they did that one-to-one in the remake, we would have been like, cool, now I'm just waiting and hungry for the next part. Yeah. Um, what they do instead is is what I think really brilliantly is is how do we recreate that feeling of being off the rails, but in a new context. Um, so as you're on the oh, highway, this is a really interesting take on this. I love this. Yeah, keep going. So, oh, this is good. Okay, as as you're on the highway, it's pretty much solidified that the Dementors are trying to keep things in line with Destiny, and then as you reach the end of the highway, Aerith kind of reveals to the group that like that that they have a choice that they can go off course and go into uncharted territory. Sephiroth also wants to do that. Uh and 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 that fight eventually happens. But to me the moment that like really sealed the deal for me was was the party being like truly anyone who's playing this game, whether you play the original or or not, you have no idea now what's going to lie ahead because they have said no to the confines of the original game. So this game's version of, oh shit, I'm in the open world map now, is the idea that now literally anything could happen. Sephiroth could kill Bear. Aerith could live. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. I would love to see more of Aerith. I, I mean, uh, it, it, it is such a brilliant way to take that feeling of, of like broaden horizons but apply it to the narrative itself. Um, and what follows is you cross the threshold. Part of me almost wishes that it ended there, but I did enjoy the over the top, like fighting <laughs> destiny because it just, I love the characters so much. They could be fighting Namora himself. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I, I think I, like, I agree with you. I actually, there was a point where I thought it was going to end because they go through the threshold and they come out the other end and it's a perfect mirror of where they were before. Yeah. And I thought that that's where it was going to end. And I was actually kind of stoked about that. Like, Oh, you just walk through and it's just like another alternate timeline. Um, I thought that'd be really interesting. I, I found this ending, um, at, at least this fight that you're about to talk about with, with fate personified. Um, much, yeah. I, I found that to, the interesting but not like a satisfying ending until i kind of thought about it more in the hours afterwards um like in in the moment i didn't find it like great i found it to be very much like a lot of people are comparing the ending of this game to kingdom hearts which i think is like apt but also a little bit off base because i i think you're right that it's 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 more thematically accurate than it generally is in a Kingdom Hearts. Um, also, what's really worth pointing out as someone who's played the original is that like all the visions they're getting 
are literally how the original game ends. Yes, like, right. That shot of Red Thirteen running is the like post credits scene of FF Seven. Uh, yeah. So like, the, it, it, there's so many moments they're alluding to there that like, uh, that they're saying no to. Um, and that's not to say that they are like are rejecting how the story played out the first time, but that they want this to be a new story that could that could go in any direction. How much more exciting is that? Like. Yeah, I, 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 I can see why agree. this is divisive, but I, I, I honestly like, as someone who like, uh, who who ha- has experienced every like emotion leading up to this game, I was, I was thrilled and impressed with how they chose to end it. I think the the the, the fate destiny fight is a little long, but like it does pay off, and and the the confrontation with Sephiroth is very fun. And and the the kind of like build up of like slowly getting the party back. That being said, the one thing I'll say about this ending finale is that like I don't think they're giving Sephiroth enough like motivation in the scenes he's in in the remake. Like I know his whole deal, trust me. But I feel like in the scenes he's in in the remake, like we don't really know like what his deal is and then suddenly like, you're fighting him at the end of this you know i mean to me it, it read is like here is the final villain of the original game showing up early being like hey let's both defy fate together you know yeah uh and and he he's amped about it like he's equally such so that like that to me just raises the threat of like what could happen in the future episodes because now everything's off the rails, including the villain. Yeah. Um, Can I give you my read on this as somebody who hasn't sure. finished the original and I don't know yeah. what Sephiroth's deal is or what his MO is or what he even wants to do? I actually don't know what Sephiroth's plan or goal is, uh, which I think is bizarre. But anyway, the way I kind of read this after a couple hours after finishing it is that throughout the course of the game, you have these ghosts, the, the mentors who are uh whispers of fate right they are trying to kind of lead everything towards the course of the original game Aerith has some kind of connection with them she kind of communes with them in a way and is and and understands that that's what they're doing and is slowly coming to terms with the fact that she's going to die she is slowly coming to terms with the fact that she's going to have to sacrifice herself at one point if that means the the successful killing of Sephiroth and and the correcting the timeline to allow everything to live on right that that is, that is how success looks sephiroth is also aware of this fact sephiroth is also aware of the fact that that fate is course correcting itself to lead to his doom and his demise and is now trying to defy that and what i found really interesting about this the more i thought about it is that he tricks you cloud and you the player into doing something new because you've already played the original game and you already know how it ends sephiroth then tricks you into going through that rift and fighting fate he he wants you to fight fate he wants he also wants fate dead he he has been in this situation and you see it happen in the game where he defies what fate has planned for him uh, and and I, I think the way they mention it is that it just rolls off his back. It's rain rolling off his back is is, is how is how the whispers affect him. Uh, it, it doesn't mean shit to him. He's he's all powerful. He can do whatever, but he can't 
beat fate, but you can. So he tricks you into going into this like weird rift and fighting an over the top Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts villain, which is fate personified. And then you kill fate. And what that means is next time he kills Barrett, Barrett's fucking dead. Barrett's yeah, not coming exactly. back and next time. And that's what's like so we, wild about this. We got rid of the with the bumpers and bowling. Like it's it's now like completely all risk. And it's you your know? fault now. You did yeah. it. You're the one that did yeah. it. You you went in and you saw a big monster and you were like, I need to kill that big monster. Uh which I think is really, really incredible. It's, and I think that might like, be like not not to this might come off as shitty and i'm sorry if it does but it's 1 a.m in new jersey and we're in the middle of recording this podcast uh that might be the thing that people are either missing or like don't care about but i think that's the thing that's most exciting to me this is this is the sixth season of a tv show throwing out all the rules and saying like we're just gonna do a soft reboot in the middle of this fucking show like that's that's the exciting thing to me is, is them saying like Next time we come back with a with another part of this remake, you'd have no clue what's going to happen. And and we're entering it just knowing we love the characters and we love the way the game plays. Throw whatever you got at me. Yeah. Like, I trust they have a new story. Like, look, this group of people, new and old, would not do this if they didn't have a fucking stellar story to tell. Like, I feel like they're they're excited. And I think the Dementors in this in this part one is almost like the creative tension of like wanting to do something new versus being beholden to the old yeah and don't get me wrong like they're still cherishing what was there and i imagine that there's still gonna be moments from the original that i mean we're still gonna meet the rest of the cast i'm yeah i'm that. sure it's gonna follow pretty closely what happened yeah. with like some deviations that will maybe ripple outwards in big ways but like i imagine for the most part it'll still just like this game follow pretty close to the plot of the original and and even if it doesn't, like I think, I think I'm just so excited. I th- I think this is like this unites the player base in a way where like everyone is going in for the first time now. Yes, exactly. and I think like there's no better way to capture that world map feeling than to do this. I kept waiting for it to be too much. I kept waiting for, to get that Yoda and Smash Brothers feeling, because <laughs> um, like on if you told me on paper like oh yeah this game ends with them fighting fate I'd be like oh. Oh, brother, that's a little bit much. Mm-hmm. But, like, can't tell you how much it works. Like, and and I think what really seals the deal is, like, the epilogue. You know, you mentioned this is where the fidelity drops again. It, it does. But, like, you see people Midgar rebuilding. They show that Biggs is alive. Biggs survived. He's recovering at Almira's Wild, place. yeah. Uh, Wedge, unfortunately, got dragged by the Dementors to his death, uh, apparently. Because he was trying to help, but they like course corrected. That's how I read it. Yeah, like that he like shouldn't have survived, and they like course. I don't know how to read anything anymore. Yeah, but Biggs is alive, and uh, you know the people are rebuilding Sector Seven themselves. Uh, yeah, you know there's special attention to that. Marl, I love her, uh, is helping everyone out. Marlene, the Marlene and Barrett connection fucked me up. Mm, yeah, uh, you know Barrett outside of Midgar being like, I'll come back soon. Uh, and the group, you know, and what's interesting is that, like, in the promo material, we saw, like, the cast on the edge of the highway with, like, the sunset. Um, and here it starts raining. And it's it's a it's a it's an exciting scene. But, like, there is that emotional weight of, like, oh, we really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and and Aerith has a line. Uh, I got a message to you, but it's like, uh, I, I need to I need to. 
No, I, I, I have, have it. I have it. Yeah, yeah. hang on. It's um, uh, I miss it. I miss the Steel Sky. And like that to me is like the Steel Sky implies implies like you know exactly where everything is going to be. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of her, a lot of her, like kind of under the surface story is accepting that she has to make this big sacrifice to help everyone. Yeah. And now she has a different role to play. Uh, and it also ends, I don't know. I mean, you might've been confused by this, but it ends with uh, uh, a flashback of Zach and, and her kind of like realizing the connection between Zach and cloud. Do you know what that is? Do you, do you want me to explain or um, I had, I, I remember a little bit of it because I did watch Advent children when it first came out back oh, in the okay. day. So I kind of remember a little, um, and I'm sorry if this is spoiling it and it might even not be because I don't really remember it fully, but I, I mean, this is a spoiler cast. We're, we're good. That's true. I think this is a Don Draper, madman situation where exactly yes yeah where he's kind of yeah. where cloud has kind of assumed zach's identity a little bit uh zach yeah. was another soldier or action or a soldier member right something like that uh who was supposed yeah, so, to die but i think didn't in this now no, he's dead it was a flashback are you it sure was, that uh, he's dead now maybe not i think maybe, it, no I, I think that this game ends with him not dying oh interesting interesting he, i was confused he has he has that last stand and then he survives at the end and he's like wait was that all of them and then carries cloud into midgar oh my God, and they're together right. now well the him carrying cloud to midgar was a flashback because that's like what Aerith sees when they're walking but, i either way I, I think that scene where he has that last stand he didn't i think he might be right i think he didn't but die because there, there's the illusion that the that the this is the thing that I'm confused about and I'm very interested to read more stuff online. I can't wait to do that when we're done recording this, but there, there are all the, all the whispers of fate flying around him and it seems like they're going to kill him because he's supposed to die. And then you beat Sephiroth and you beat fate personified. I can't believe that this is, these are sentences that are coming out of my mouth, but anyway, you beat fate personified and then they disappear for Zach in that in that flashback. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. And then he yeah. wins. So I'm wondering if if he's gonna show up. I mean, up honestly, like Cloud having to confront Zach after Cloud assuming his identity is a very cool plot piece. I mean, yeah, you you have it pretty right. I mean, essentially Zach was a childhood friend of of Cloud's and dated Aerith for a bit. Um, oh wow! Is, okay. is the protagonist of Crisis Core, which I haven't played, but in the original game, he's he's more of a plot twist than anything. Like uh, when you get back to Nibelheim, Cloud's hometown, in the world map, you see that it hasn't burned down, so that memory Cloud has is like incorrect. Whoa! Uh, okay, and uh, you learn that the the person in his life who was a soldier first class was Zach. Um, so like, yeah. whoa, okay. Cloud, yeah. cloud has completely just like because of a tragedy taken his identity and assumed it. I think I, from what I know of Crisis Core, it ends basically with Cloud on the train. Um, oh, but, cool, great. No, without going too much in it, Cloud is, has a very similar identity to. Do you want me to tell you this? Yeah, sure, fine. Yeah. So Sephiroth's whole deal is that he's actually like a he's also in soldier with Zach. Yeah. And he's like a pretty normal person for most of it. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, uh, or at least like he's not how he is now. <laughs> right. But in, in a trip to in Nibelheim in the mountains, uh, Sephiroth finds all these tanks with like tank bred Shinra monsters and they're all linked to Genova. 
And he learns that he himself is one of those monsters. He was created using Genova's cells to make like a super soldier. Yeah. So he learn he reads more and more into this and kind of becomes obsessed with it mm-hmm. and realizes that that by nature of being a clone of Genova, he has the blood of the Cetra of the ancients. Of the ancients, yeah, him. okay, interesting. So this planet is his to claim, and this kind of snaps uh, okay. and, and develops a kind of a godlike complex. So it's it's not really like a huge motivation or a plan, but like that that snap is interesting and like Mm -hmm. it's it's basically his way of dealing with his identity whereas cloud just was like no i'm zach now sephiroth is like i'm gonna become god now (laughs) right um and cloud is a failed clone of sephiroth uh yeah that that i picked up on just via um just context clues from this game and the reason i love tifa so much is she knows all this shit and has to fucking put up with every time cloud says he's an ex-soldier and it's like heartbreaking to watch when you know that and and she is one of the characters who like whoa i did not know that okay really really helps cloud accept who he is uh more than like the other members of that party yeah which like shouldn't be on her but she fucking does it (laughs) and like helps save the day oh wild Uh, okay yeah yeah so that stuff is is really cool and like i wonder i mean with zach being alive that that story is going to have even more tension in the later episodes mm-hmm. um and i think that unknown i mean that's what they wanted to leave you with with this ending is is the unknown is yeah, is not right. going into the next part being like i can't wait to see the one to one recreation of jumping on the dolphin to juno <laughs> harbor like and again, like, like, like we said before, I'm sure they're going to cover the broad strokes. Like, they're not going to be like, nope, the rest of this is just Kate Sith's diary. That's it. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it, it sounds silly when we talk about the ending, but like, while playing it, I was so blown away by the risk. And, and, and I think it really works out and like elevated this game to me of like, it being called a remake is literally the narrative being like, let's do something different. Let's let's like completely see how this story could play out in a different way. What if Aerith lives and like gets to have all those moments the other characters have later in the game that we love and cherish? Yeah, I would love to see that. Honestly, like I don't think anyone needs to die. I mean, and and the fact that we're going in not knowing who is going to live or die is scary. But there's also reality that like that will be okay. The fact that this ends with Biggs being okay and people rebuilding Midgar and Zack surviving is enough data to show that like there could be a much happier ending with this, but I don't think their intention is just to be like, everybody survived. Congrats. Yeah, ag- again with the end game comparisons, but like this, this is Dr. Strange seeing three trillion different outcomes and, and them only beating Thanos and one of them, you know, th- this is like, this is the ultimate ending potentially, or it could also end in different forms of tragedy. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned this to you uh, or maybe I didn't, I'm not really sure, but um, you know, I, I unfortunately, and we've been uh, tracking this over the course of many episodes, but like I didn't have that big twist, the Aerith twist of the original spoiled for me until I saw like uh, somebody had retweeted some fan art that spoiled it for me, which was like such a bummer way to find out uh, after so all these years. But anyway, 
I had alluded to last week that I, I had a theory about what it was and I didn't think it was Aerith dying. I thought it was actually Tifa dying. And like now I'm now I'm more terrified because that was my takeaway from playing the remake was that Tifa was going to die. And now I'm like, ee, oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do one if foot Tifa one. If Tifa dies, I'll, I'll throw the game out. No, I don't want anyone to die, but if Tifa dies, I'm going to throw the game into the toilet. Yeah. So zero, <laughs> oh my God. zero out of ten stars. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, a- anything's possible now. Should we get to questions? Yeah, I, I totally agree, but I, I just think, like, I love the ending. I, I can see why it's, like, divisive, but I, I think if you were picking up what this game was putting down in and of itself, I think that the ending works. I don't think it's a total left turn. Yeah. Like, I think it's like I kept waiting for that to happen. Like it, it like 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 was the last time. Like I kept winking at like I'm like oh don't end here. Keep going. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. You know, and 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 it and it ended. I think on a really great note. And I'm just like so excited for what's to come. Uh, we 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 solicited some questions from Discord and Twitter and stuff like that. Um, for this episode, one of them actually kind of comments on this, so I, I think it might be a, a good one to just lead into. Lay it on me. Uh, this one is from Saga in Discord that says, uh, "I've seen some arguments from people saying that the marketing was not clear about how many changes were going to be a part of this quote unquote remake. I think this is mostly overblown knee jerk reaction to the huge twist of of the ending. Uh, it does bring up an interesting discussion about the interaction between the expectations of players and the creative freedom of developers." now that they have opened the floodgates to change whatever they want what do you think the balance between new and old will be in future installments it's a great question and i do think like if there's anything to criticize it it might be the marketing honestly because so much of the marketing has been like here's the thing you remember and here it is in the remake yeah it's it's jj abrams in an interview saying no benedict cumberbatch is not playing Khan in star trek 2 and then it turns (laughs) out that he is you know what i mean like this is them putting remake on the cover and it turns Um, out it's a sequel I'm personally very okay with it. And not only am I okay with it, I think it's fucking great. Yeah, I think it's great. In terms of the balance, I mean, I guess it's less of a sequel, more of literally like a redo. It's it's a different story. It's a different timeline. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, but but uh, it, it's acknowledging the original, which I think is important, yes. right? So like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds about it, but I do think the distinction is very important in this specific case is like, it's, it's not, it's not a reboot because the original is still part of the canon of the overall story of final fantasy seven here like remake is comes after everything else or is maybe adjacent to everything else but everything else is still important advent children crisis core the original release are all a part of what's happening in remake and i think that's important to keep in mind because like they are trying to subvert all of that um and we might run into like last jedi nightmare shit I think potentially with like diehard purist fans of the original, but at least where you and I sit currently, I think that's uh, a powerful and interesting position to take. uh, And and I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do with it. Um, I'm, I I don't feel bad at all that remake is on the box of this game. Like just to like boil it down to like its most barest elements. Like, I think that that's great. I mean, yeah, I think, I think the, I think that the term takes on a new meaning once you've beaten the game and I don't feel robbed. Like, I mean, I went into this game wanting to see, uh, past moments. I mean, I didn't want a one-to-one, but I also went in expecting to relive certain moments. Yeah. And I very much got that. And like, like we said, I would wager that, uh, the balance of new and old, I, I would guess that I think what this game did the best, and I think the reason why the Shinra HQ worked the best for me was that that was a major event from the original game that had a lot of emotional weight 
that was given the proper emotional weight, but was entirely different dialogue wise and event wise. Mm -hmm. It still had the same like tenor matched. I imagine that we'll get that uh, in, in, in the post Midgar segments. Um, You know, I mean, at the very least with the rest of the cast, they even, uh, this is a very subtle thing, but with Barrett, he has a line where he says, like, even I used to buy into Shinra's bullshit. And he looks at his gun arm. Yeah. That is a direct reference to, because in Barrett's story, uh, without spoiling too much, he was, uh, he's from this uh, mining town, Coral, uh, and he was a, one of the big proponents of Shinra moving into the town. Because he was like, this could provide so much jobs, it could mm. put us on the map. Um and what happens there results in him having a gun for an arm. Yeah. Uh, but like, it is a re- like his backstory is one of my favorites. It is so good, and I'm, I'm I'm like I would be disappointed if they didn't touch on that. But like, I think that even though there's very much a a drive to go in their own direction, I think that the team knows what moments need to be there. I don't think they're gonna rob people from those uh, from or you know I, I honestly. I I think the biggest thing is I don't think Aerith is going to die. I think that Aerith is going to live throughout this. Cause I think that's like the big thing that everyone knows except for you. Sorry. Uh, but like, that's like the, you know, the thing that everyone is expecting to happen. And I wonder if that's going to be like the big subversion of this. Now that fate is gone. I think that Aerith, and I honestly would like to see that. I think like, if we're going to fight on, if we're going to kill fate personified, we better see more Aerith because of it, you know? Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is more just, this is, this is less of a, like, talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake as a video game and more just, like, me as a fan now wanting things or worried about things, but I'm, I'm now concerned that they're going to replace Aerith with someone else. Uh, just to kill Kate Sith. Just kill- <laughs> <laughs> if if I see Kate Sith one time uh, at the collapsing of the plate onto Sector Seven, and then the second time I see Kate Sith is getting annihilated by Severoth, <laughs> that would yeah. be wild. Um, yeah, I mean, my my big my big overarching take on this is um, like. I would rather be surprised and excited. And from what I've seen, most people who play this game who don't like the ending love it until the ending so that means you got 38 hours of an incredible video game that you loved and then maybe like one and a half to two hours of a video game that you're like confused or maybe upset about i would say just like keep in mind the fact that there are 38 hours of great video game there and that now you have this kind of you have this blank canvas of of a story that that could fulfill itself in multiple ways but either way is going to be exciting and new for literally everyone you're bringing more people into the final fantasy fandom which is exciting this is the first final fantasy game i've ever finished personally um and that's exciting to me as somebody who has tried literally for over 10 years now to finish a final (laughs) fantasy game um yeah, I mean, there, there's so much about that that I think I is would wager, powerful. Absolutely. I would wager in terms of balancing new and old that, like, the thing I would more... Like, I'm most excited, like you, by the blank canvas. But in terms of what they're going to balance, I would wager that for the remaining party mates, their introduction will at least be very purposeful. Like, they, they in interviews, they said that the reason Red 13 isn't playable in this game is they want to have, like him joining the party have the proper attention it deserves mm-hmm. and he joins so late that it would be weird to like suddenly have him playable and upgradable yeah and like you only have him for a couple of hours so i would say that like 
and and additionally, the one thing this remake did a lot was they they really referenced Wu Tai quite a bit, which is where Yuffie is from. Yeah. So I I would wager that Yuffie's introduction to the party will be very different, but have more meaning to it than her just wanting to steal your materia. Um, <laughs> right. So like, uh, I'm excited to see that. I think I think the rest of the party will probably be like more grounded in the original, and then the rest, who knows? And that's what's exciting. Let's yeah. move on to the next question. I think. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Scout on Twitter, uh, and also the Discord. Hi, Scout. Uh, what was your favorite moment of unexpected callback to the original? For me, every little cloud flashback or vision is a punch in the gut in the best way. Um, so is your favorite callback to the original game? I love the stairs, honestly. Like the stairs were great. Uh, going yeah. up the the sixty nine flights of stairs uh, or sixty four. Uh, fifty nine. Fifty nine. I also, I think. Uh, in terms of the more dramatic ones, I think Almira's flashbacks of like finding Aerith at the train station, that was like a one-to-one scene that like I really, I really loved and, and like brought me right back. For me personally, um, and again, you know, I've only played just the Midgar section of the original, but um, the flashback conversation between a young Cloud and a young Tifa on the water tower in in the original was the first moment while I was playing the original where I didn't feel like I was playing a PS1 game anymore and I was so sucked into the story and the characters that I was like feeling for these people in a real way um and seeing that moment realized in this game uh w- was just very moving I I loved it yeah. um that that is like the one moment of this game that I have like an emotional nostalgic attachment to um I think uh so so seeing that again in this was was really powerful and and kind of stellar uh yeah it was great yeah next one yes yeah, do it cool this is from bolt uh it's a few questions uh what did the remake not expand on that you wish they had what did they flesh out that you wish had remained in obscurity um i'll tackle the the second half of this very quickly because i've already mentioned it in this episode but uh collapse expressway and train yard um and there's a third one. Oh, the sewers are all things that like you're so beholden to the original that you feel like you need to expand on these things. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Um, for the second part, uh, start negative. The the thing that I wish they didn't expand on. Look, I really don't want to be this guy. I know I was a little bit harsh on Ro- of Roche last episode. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I would spend a lifetime with Roche over another second with Johnny. I do not know why they gave Johnny the screen, as much screen time as he gets. And I realize that he's kind of like an in game joke, but like his side quest goes on forever. He is literally yeah. a guy who has like two scenes in the original and they like make him into a purposeful Jar Jar Binks in this remake. And like I got an achievement for spending as much time with Johnny as I could. And I wish I could erase it. <laughs> I don't, I did not enjoy Johnny and I don't wish to see him ever again. Yeah. I and I want to like here's the thing I always like characters like that I like characters that add a sense of levity that don't really have a purpose but something about Johnny was just infuriating and yeah. like I think because he was thrown into the parts of the game that were the most like in need of work so he was like the mascot of the worst parts of the game yeah I was just about to uh, say every, every once in a while we mentioned this in the last episode but every once in a while the game winks at you and shows you what it could have been and every yeah. time Johnny is on screen he <laughs> He's he's the fate personified version of that video game. <laughs> it was weird when you f- fought fate personified and it ripped off its skeleton mask. And was and Johnny, was, bro, bro, dude? I finally found a job for me. I'm fate, bro. 
like it, it, he's like kind of funny but i don't know it just it just overstates welcome and like his quest in wall market is literally like a weird kind of callback to what you have to do in the original game but it's like so tedious and takes forever yeah and isn't funny I, that's the only time in the game i skipped dialogue uh mm. so it's it's i feel mean pointing it out because i think johnny is like intended to be annoying but like you know if you intend to hurt me and you do i i only feel pain so <laughs> um but what, what was the first part so uh, were there any wish- were there any moments in the remake that did um that didn't expand on the original that you wish had oh um i don't really have anything for this because i don't really remember the original as well as i probably should considering it was only last summer that i played it yeah, I'm trying to think of what in Midgar. I mean, actually, one thing I miss from the original was in uh, in in the original game in Sector Seven on top of the weapon store. Uh, there is like a whole tutorial club. There's like a bunch of people that just like teach you how to play the game. There's like weird mini games and stuff, and they're like, "Hi, I'm a save point," or like, "Hi, I'm a treasure chest." Oh, that's Would've great. Would have been weird in this game, but like. What they introduced Biggs and Wedge in the town watch in the room where that like tutorial club is. And um I would have liked to see a version of that, but like mm. I'm really grasping at straws there. They, pretty much everything that happens in the original is like in this game. I think they did more of the latter than the former. I think they, they blew things up more than they like skipped things. Yeah. Um but but yeah, I would have I would have liked that. Um and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, next question. Do you find that this game is more or less inscrutable than the original? Uh, what, is, what do you mean? By graphics that? aside. Inscrutable, like hard to follow plot wise. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I, I've never really found FF7 to be too inscrutable. Like it's honestly one of the oddly, one of the more grounded Final Fantasy. Kind of streamlined in, of in like, a weird way. Yeah. yeah. For, it, it, for Final Fantasy, at least. Because like pretty much like the way the plot plays out on the first disc is like Midgar is like, even though it's only a few hours, it's the bulk of the story. And then the mid, the world map is like kind of just like everyone else's backstory. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, then things hit the fan. And then disc two is like where the plot really kind of gets going. Um, or I mean, since it gets going in terms of getting good, but like that's when the stakes really go high. But uh, I don't know. I honestly think this game is probably better paced in terms of story. And I, I think I so think, too. As I, I mentioned yeah. this earlier, but I, I think that this game expands Midgar in a way that I think is satisfying. As I thought initially, it was going to be a little bit of like a let's just see how much filler we can stuff into this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Midgar gets its due now um, and, and will only yeah. make the rest of the game or the rest of the parts of the game when, when they come out inevitably even more powerful having played 40 hours of Midgar now even even fighting fate personified is set up that's the thing like the big the big twists of seven and seven remake are set up yeah they're foreshadowed and they have thematic importance a lot of the twists in other final fantasies which i love but like the twists in nine are are bananas (laughs) that that plot goes i love nine in many ways it's my favorite but that plot goes off the rails in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, eight is just like off the rails so much. You're just ice skating basically. And then uh, 10's twist of Titus being a dream is like a total non sequitur. So like, whoa. Okay. And, and 
Oh, did I spoil that? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. So sorry. It, it, it's honestly, it, there's more to it than that. But like there in other Final Fantasies, there have been protagonists that are suddenly given a new meaning that doesn't add up with what's been laid up before. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Cloud, from the second you meet him, there are like weird flashbacks and, and things that don't add up. And like yeah. him being revealed to be a Don Draper scenario is, is it, it boils up to a satisfying conclusion. So yeah, I don't really think either is inscrutable, but I would say the remake is probably less inscrutable. Yeah. I just, uh, to put a cap on that, I found the ending of this game to be inscrutable while I played it. And I didn't find it very satisfying by the time I had like when credits were rolling, I was like, Ooh, I don't know what just happened. The um, remake. Yeah. And then, Oh, and then thinking about it, over the course of the past couple hours, I have grown to like it more and more, even though I didn't enjoy it in the moment as much. Uh, looking back on it, I think it's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, next question. Favorite musical moments. Oh, my God. I mean, I didn't even mention I love all the jukebox music in this game. The jazzy. Oh, it's so good. It's also good. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, and I think uh I mean, honestly, I'm a sucker for when like the original themes kick back in. I think like a standout moment for me is right after Barrett gets allegedly killed by Sephiroth and you're fighting Genova. Mm. The phases of that boss fight boil up into the original Genova theme, which is one of my favorite battle songs. Mm. And, like, that was incredible. That and and there's actually a really sad moment where there's like Tifa's theme played in a minor key when you're walking through the slums of sector seven. Yeah. Ugh, that was rough, but yeah, the soundtrack is incredible. The, the, the arrangements and like, I think it's microcosmic of like what they're doing with the story of seven, where they're taking bits and pieces and meshing them around. Yeah. Uh, and that includes the jazzy covers. Um, so good. Yeah. Actually, Kate's, Kate's theme is great on the jukebox. It is good. We throw shade, but Kate's has a good theme. Um, for me, it was uh, when you first get access to the jukebox and they give you Tifa's theme and they use that while you're exploring Sector 7 for the first time. I, again, no nostalgia for that music at all. Didn't recognize any of it. Didn't recognize a lick of it. Uh, still loved it all. Um, I think I think the music is one of the highlights of this game. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, the soundtrack of F7 is one of the best. Yeah. Uh, Nobuo Matsu is is the greatest. Anyway. Uh, Next, next, and final question from Bolt: Why is Roche the way he is? <laughs> Honestly, post Johnny Steven thinks I was a bit harsh on Roche. <laughs> I think I, I talked. I, I talked to my friend Andy. I'll give you a shout out. Uh, who is a uh, a self described Roche apologist, and he. I got a lot of texts about Roche after that episode. Uh, I I think I'm in the minority of people who weren't into Roche. Um, I didn't mind Roche. I didn't. I don't know if I mentioned yeah. this. I I thought he was fine. I think if he came back in the final motorcycle scene, I it would have been great. Anyway, I was waiting I, for him and he didn't show up. Yeah, let me down. Uh, but um, my friend Andy, who has played Crisis Core, I haven't said that in Crisis Core. The 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 three leads are Zach, Sephiroth, and one other character who I think becomes the villain of that. I game. was mortified thinking that you were about to say that Roche was one of the main characters of Crisis Core. <laughs> no, no. But what he said was that like that game kind of goes more into like what the soldiers are like. And apparently they all kind of have very big personalities in that way. Mm. So Roche is a soldier. I didn't realize that when he showed up, but he's a soldier of Shinra 
and that's just like his thing yeah it, like it, it's less that i'm not into roche and more that like it's just a, it's such a giant non sequitur in, in in the plot it like really throws a wrench in the pacing anyway why is he the way he is i think when uh, mako he, he got <laughs> he got exposed to mako <laughs> is the answer <laughs> It's interesting to to want to be like he, he's a speed freak, right? Like he loves the chase, the thrill. He can never get enough. Yeah. Um, but he also has a very purposeful mullet, which I imagine took a long time to groom. So I wonder if Roche is lying to himself in that, like he wants this kind of instant gratification, high octane thrill, and really he should just chill, grow a mullet, and just like you know live life. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. Take a, take a look around. It's like Tifa says to Bear, like, stop looking ahead and take a look around. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Mako. That's why. He- <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we move on? Yeah. Um, all right. Next question from uh, GameSpot.com and uh, Bloodborne present Tam. Uh, how, <laughs> how will they do Vincent? Oh, my God. I don't know the answer to this because I, I never met Vincent. Vincent, do you mind if I speak on Vincent's? Please do. Uh, I know yeah. Vincent is one of the like secret obtainable party members of the original, right? Yeah, so Yuffie and Vincent are both optional party mates. Uh, the, the two mandatory post-Midgar characters are Sid and Kaysif. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Yuffie and Vincent are optional. I would highly recommend getting them. Vincent is... I, I, I think I tweeted this once but like cloud thinks he's the edgelord and then he meets vincent and is like i am i am nowhere near any any foreseeable edge i am on a flat surface this guy you meet vincent and he's sleeping in a coffin uh whoa okay and and says like go away and then you have to do an obscure side quest to get him to leave the coffin uh vincent his story is that he also used to work for shinra and he kind of has a tragic backstory with uh, either his wife or, or love interests. Uh, he lost to Shinra. Um, but he was kind of an experiment as well. And he can turn into monsters. So his whole thing is his limit Whoa. breaks. Yeah. Uh, his first limit break, he turns into a werewolf. And you lose control of him. He just does random moves. So he's kind of like the game's blue mage in that way. But like, like Friday the 13th themed. So he starts off as a werewolf. His next one is literally Frankenstein. <laughs> he just like can punch things or electrocute them. And then his third one is Jason Voorhees. Like actually, he just has a hockey mask and a chainsaw. Um, and his fourth one, he becomes the devil. So, can you believe that in 1997, or I guess 1995 through 1997, they were developing this video game and they put that character in this video game and made it so optional as to be extremely missable by most people who played it <laughs> so vincent's like super edgelord super hot topic love him the star of dirge of cerberus uh and he uh has a gun like just a straight up gun that's his weapon so he will be a ranged character for sure i could see him because there's an enemy skill materia in this game but like from what i've heard there aren't too many enemy skills to learn so I yeah, wonder there's, there's four, void, I think. Yeah. I wonder if there's a void to fill with uh with with Vincent being more of kind of a blue mage. I do think though that his transformations might be kind of akin to like Cloud's operator mode, you know, where he can just switch between them. Yeah, yeah. Uh that would be really cool. So I think Vincent will be 
a ranged character uh, with sort of like, whereas Barrett is like the ranged physical attack at, at his core and Aerith is the ranged magic, I could see Vincent being like the kind of mesh of the two. Yeah. Um, and talk about a, a character to customize. Like, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to see him leap out of that coffin and tell me to go away. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. All right. Next question from Boy of Stone on Twitter uh, says, considering the way Remake turned some classic random encounter enemies into epic bosses, what other OG enemies would you like to see get that same treatment? Uh, examples, ghost, question. ship, hungry, etc. Yeah, that's a great question. Because there are so many, like the Hell House is the perfect example of that. We shouldn't even talk about. There's a random enemy in Sector 5 that's just a house. You just can can pass or not in the original game. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre. Like everyone remembers it, but it's never referred to, it's never acknowledged. And in this game, it is the final opponent in the arena. Uh and it's it is such a fun fight. It is so silly in a perfect way. An incredible and boss like, fight. Oh my god, yeah. it was so fun. Um so I think I think that's a good example of what I'd like to see. I think uh, I another one that stood out to me was the uh the robotic fish that kind of flew around the sky. Uh, I loved the design of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another enemy that that stands out. I'm trying to think of other ones. Oh man, we There's didn't even a- mention that. But that that fight where you're fighting that like the the I think it's called the sword eel or something. Um, yeah. In in Hojo's lab, and you you start fighting it as Barrett and Cloud, and then it escapes that room and then runs right into Tifa, Aerith, and Red Thirteen. Um, one of my favorite boss fights, like in a video game, was yeah. just that experience of switching from one party to the other, like that. Oh, so fun! Yeah, switching between the parties and the characters and letting you play as multiple characters was so good. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, um, it, it reminds me of my favorite part of FF6, where like your party gets split up. Uh, you're on a raft, and it like things hit, she hits the fan and it's three different stories that you play it's kind of out of a traveler mm. uh but you know just the moment of ff6 anyway um give me a scene where you fight a midgar Zalem on chocobo horseback that's what i want Great. honestly though i am excited to see how midgar Zalem is treated in the remake if it does show up which i imagine honestly i bet my life midgar Zalem appears in some way that is such a monumental enemy in that game uh, that you have to spend like two hours to just learn how to catch a chocobo to run away from. Uh, so we'll see. Midgar Salam is my vote. Great. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything, so I just assume that that's a good answer. Uh, uh next set of questions from uh Ian uh who at hi Ian uh, who asks hi. uh the twist completely validates the into the aether take that this is an original. And is its own thing. How do you two feel about being clairvoyant? Weird. We honestly, though, like <laughs> in retrospect, we've called a lot of stuff accurately, weirdly. Like, uh, I think we've called a few people being in Smash. I think we've called like uh, this. Uh, I think this whole show is uh, the secret, like, laboratory <laughs> experiment. Yeah. Uh, well, so clairvoyant, we address. What was the other part of the question? Uh, that was it. That was pretty much it. Oh, oh. I mean, I think there's just something called what 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 the Dementors were up to. (laughs) I I do think though that this game cementing in this episode that it's going to be its own thing. I think validates this being episodic, at least for this one. At least for like you know the oh, it's only going to be Midgar. Like it's so purposely 
just this part so they can really do whatever they want with the rest of it. Yeah. So it's great being clairvoyant. Thank you. Uh, Ian's next uh, thing is is to just discuss the Honeybee and minigame, which I think we did. Uh, it was great. Amazing. Uh, and then the third one is um, that we should talk about the possibility of a spinoff with Roche, Johnny, and Chadley. Go! Oh, oh my god. No, get Chadley out of there. Get Chadley out of the house. <laughs> That's the Hell House. <laughs> that that is the that's the sitcom the hell house Chadley is, is deserves so much better than living with Roach and and Johnny. Oh my god! I mean, because Johnny is is a lost cause, and I don't want to know what Roach's house looks like. I think Roach does not clean. I think he's the I think he's the slob. You don't think three. it has big Ed Hardy vibes? <laughs> I think Roche just falls asleep on top of his motorcycle <laughs> and just has it parked outside the hell house. <laughs> That's why he's always on. He's like, I don't want to go back home. Fuck yeah. that. I don't want to hang out with Johnny in the hell house. Um, and Chadley's just there for data. Chadley's purely there for data. They're out of there as soon as they've got enough data. What bizarre specimens. Yeah. Between yeah. Roche and Johnny. What a sitcom. Anyway, so our final question comes from uh, Andrew on Twitter which is directly for you. Would Steven rather fight 100 Tonberry sized Roches or one Roche sized Johnny? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Please repeat the question. Would you rather? All, all I heard was a choir of like atonal screaming. It's like all the spirits, like airs, it's the sounds of the planet. That's what I heard. Would you rather fight 100 Tonberry sized Roches or one Roche sized Johnny? I don't know if Roche is that much bigger than Johnny. That's the funniest part. It's like Johnny two inches smaller or a bunch of small Roches. I'm gonna. I think the easy answer is a, is a Roche sized Johnny. Because that's just uh, that, Roche. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, sorry, that's just Johnny. Yeah. But Roche is pretty tough. I don't know. It, it, as long as the Tonberry Roches don't have Tonberry abilities, I can't be killed via doom and gloom from a Tonberry Roche. Yeah, can we talk about the Tonberry fight real quick? Yeah, please. Tonberry is a small green being wearing. Star Wars esque. Oh, sorry, what? I was going to say, it's, it reminds me of like a Star Wars creature. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's carrying a knife and a lantern, uh, and it can kill anyone in your party in one hit if it hits you with the knife. Uh, what a bizarre fight. I just wasn't expecting it. You run it. You run into this one area outside Aerith's house, and there are three bandits, and they're like, we're going to fuck you up. Go get them. And then it's Tonberry, and he just kind of waddles around like a penguin, uh, and is very slow, and is absolutely terrifying like as soon as he killed barrett in one hit that was one of my one of my um instances in which one of my party members went down and i was so confused because that was the first time i'd lost anyone in the entire game up until that point wow uh oof scary Scary. yeah it's they're a recurring enemy in in final fantasy so they always kind of have that like Mm. danger to them um but yeah they're they're fun i'll probably fight the johnny size roche in retrospect after revisiting the danger of a ton there yeah uh andrew also had a serious question what side activities do you wish had been included slash cut which i I think it's a little bit closer to one of the questions we asked earlier uh but i just 
in case you had any answers i don't really have any but i'll i'll spin it to to because like what's coming up what i want to see in the future episodes i want to see snowboarding for sure i definitely want to see snowboarding wow That's me too that. i didn't even know that was in there but yeah, absolutely the, I do. the beginning of disc it's like literally right after Aerith gets killed, you go snowboarding. It's like oddly, okay. oddly timed. But like the beginning of this two, you're in like an icicle, uh, icicle inn. You're like in like a ski resort town and you have to snowboard down the mountain. Mm. So snowboarding, I would love to see. I, I can't wait to see what, uh, what Gold Saucer looks like. Um, I'm anything like Saucer. it is in do FF14. Think, it's do you think amazing. Jesse's going to show up in Gold Saucer? I wonder. Because like, I mean, I think, I think... The trade-off for seeing Biggs is okay is is the fact that I'm pretty sure Wedge and Jesse are gone. Mm. Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, that would be a great reveal. And honestly, if like if I had to choose who made it, I would like to see Jesse's story more. Me too. Uh, yeah. But you know, I think if they do bring her back, that would be the place to do it. That would be that would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. Oh, there's a <laughs> in the original game, just a shout out to another gold saucer event. There's like a weird uh arcade game called like Moogle's Life or like Mog House. And it's like a like hour-long like life sim where you play as a Moogle. It's bizarre. It's Whoa. so weird. I wonder if that will be in this. Um my other favorite is the like three-dimensional simulator of rocks, paper, scissors. That's also great. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to in terms of mini games, and I hope that they at least keep some of that stuff, uh, which I imagine they will. The fact that there's like mini games that didn't even exist in the original that are in this, like the the pump with Aerith and Tifa and and uh, the pull ups, they know what they're doing. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Steven, you and I have talked for another three hours about Final Fantasy VII remake. So what? What do you want from me? <laughs> I think over three hours at this point. Somehow, um, I think We're it's both time for berries. We're just full of doom and gloom. That's true. And, and weird kitchen knives. I think it's time for us to wrap up. I think so too. Oh man, this is a weird one. This is like, I feel, I, I literally told you that I felt reborn before we started recording. And yeah. it's true. Uh, but in short, this game's amazing. It really, like, I, I, even last episode, I was really liking it, but like, I went from liking it to loving it to really thinking it's like, one of the best games i've played in a long time yeah uh, i mean and we're lucky to say that because like in the course of our show like i have played at least five games that are like my favorite of all time between like <laughs> celeste celeste yeah. fire emblem near automata uh, and ff7 remake there's a lot of a lot of games that have, have really have really like inspired me in, in ways i haven't felt prior to doing this show yeah um Man, I can't believe I like this game as much as I did. And I can't believe I finished it. But here we are. Uh, it's it's honestly, it's it's revving me up to play more Final Fantasy stuff. So I'm excited to see where I go from here. Um, I yeah. was I was hovering on the Switch eShop over the buy uh, the, the buy button for Final Fantasy 10 and 10 2 remake um, Ooh, or sorry, oh yeah. remastered on there i'm sorry i spoiled uh titus for you honestly that you don't that's not enough context to even affect the story you'll see what happens yeah um yeah i don't know i don't know where i'll go next but i do have the original seven to play through finally now i can finish it um and you also had me download nine at one point so i can probably go back and and finish that one so that's exciting yeah nine nine's great i love the cast of nine and and i think yeah i think start start with the with getting through the original seven because at, at least at this point you know that like it's going to be different so you might as well see what the original story exactly feels yeah. like. 
Yeah, let's wrap up. I'm floating into the uh, Mako live stream. Okay, yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opportunity to say the title of the show. You could have done it. Yeah, we, we could have done it. Um, cool. Hey, dear listener, if you're listening to this still, uh, thank, thank you so you. much for doing that. That's really cool of you. Yeah. Um, it's very late. It is 2 a.m. here. Uh, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Um, thank you to everybody who's still listening to the show uh, right now in the time that we're releasing it. It's, it's rough out there. Um, and hopefully... You're doing okay and staying healthy and socially distancing and washing your hands. Um, we love you and we're glad that you're here. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a Twitter, Instagram. No, we don't have an Instagram. We have a Twitter and Twitch account. Uh, we, got both... a, we got a, a, a LinkedIn. We, we got, got a LinkedIn. A we got a Zanga. We got a Friendster. We got a Blogspot. Uh, it's into the cast everywhere. Uh, we also have... Uh, Patreon that's uh, into the cast you can go to patreon.com slash into the cast and uh, support the show there um, for those of you who are doing it we mention this every week we'll mention it again and I'm going to keep mentioning it sorry if it's annoying but I'm going to do it anyway if you're backing the show if I'm about to call out your name and you're like whoops I shouldn't be backing the show because I don't have money um, please don't back the show we don't want you to be in any kind of financial stress because you're backing our podcast uh, where we talk about Final Fantasy for seven hours over two weeks Anyway, uh, thank you to the people who are still backing the show, and that list includes Akira, Alex, Andrew D, Andrew D, Ariel, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, uh, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, David, Dennis, Elliot, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, uh, Joeri, Josh, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Marianne, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Murray, Naomi, no name, Pablo, Philip, Robert, Salute Peasy, Scout, Sebastian, Shelley, Skin Tight Alloy, Spencer, Trevor, and William. Thank you all so much for backing the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, if you really like the show, here's what you'll be needing. Uh, you need three carob nuts. Uh, these are acquired on the grasslands near Bone Village uh, from the enemy that kind of looks like a dinosaur. It usually drops them. If it isn't right away, just run around until you trigger a random encounter, and you'll get them from there. You'll also need one Zio nut. Um, these are found on Goblin Island. Uh, the goblins also usually drop them, or you could try using the steel materia. Now, one thing worth noting is that um, in order to breed the blue, green, and black chocobos, uh, usually you need to have them either in good, great, or wonderful status. You can see this when you catch them by talking to Chocobo Bill. Uh, and he'll say what their status is, and there'll be kind of an animation of them either walking or running. <clears throat> I, I looked up a guide, but I was trying to also combine it with my memory. So uh -huh. the beginning was the guide, and the rest is me. I'm not going to do the whole thing. That was the beginning of how you get a golden Chocobo in the yeah. original FF7. I feel like Was it good? I, was it worth it? I feel like this has been the post-credit scene you've been alluding to since like episode one of this podcast. <laughs> the amount of times you've referenced the fact that you know how to get a golden Chocobo. Yeah, it wasn't real though. I had to look it up. I forgot. Yeah. I used to be uh I used to be golden myself and now I'm blue at best. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. This is awful. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you have a friend who you think would like the podcast, show it to them. That'd be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and if you like the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts and review it. Um, sorry if I don't sound too enthusiastic. It's very late and I'm very tired. We're, we love you so much, but we're both so tired. I have, I have, I have, uh, I have spent all my energy into this episode. I have channeled 
all my all my mako into this episode and it's honestly um, killing me that i haven't been able to read a whole bunch of just explainers about the ending yet so i have to go do that before i go to sleep too so i'm gonna do, go do that um but i am excited to uh finally play some other stuff because this is the thing i wanted to finish before moving on i want to check out more persona 5 royale you can expect more episodes on that soon i just finished um, the second palace oh hell yeah welcome to the club yosuke right uh yeah yeah very exciting the artist the artist that I, I like the museum quite a bit yeah um anyway i gotta go to bed it's time to go to sleep <laughs> 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 all right good, goodbye and good night all right i love you goodbye <laughs> <laughs> God.